Hello, everyone. It's me. It's Jake. You knew it was me. I get it. It's been a while. You probably, I don't know, were you worried about me? I wasn't worried about you. I knew you handled it. I knew you were handling it. I knew you were taking care of business. I, I hoped that you missed me. I guess I hoped. I, I mean, I don't know. Look, who am I to put to put any kind of uh, guilt on you? Look how long it's been since the last episode. More than a month, believe me. It didn't seem like a month. It flew by as, as I was seemingly not doing anything. I was doing a lot of things. But I'm very excited uh, to have a new episode to put up here. Um, my guest this week, oh, is uh, Dr. Chris Ryan. You may have heard him on Joe Rogan's podcast. He has his own awesome podcast called Tangentially Speaking. And uh, you should check that out if you like this. If you like things, <laughs> you probably like that. He has really interesting conversations. He's a very interesting guy. And uh, we're new friends. I reached out to him to come to a show. I told this in the last episode that he was on. Um, but I'm just telling it a, a little bit again. I reached out to him to come to a show when he was living in Portland. He came out. He enjoyed the show. We got together uh, at Christmas time when he was down in L.A. And then um, we've both been traveling. And this was uh, a chance for us to get back together. <laughs> and I said, well, why don't we record it? Why, why don't we record it? Ladies and gentlemen, that's always a good idea is recording things, that you, conversations that you're having with your new friends. And uh, so this is almost the entirety of our visit recorded. I hope that you enjoyed it. It's a little eavesdroppy, uh, I guess, at times. But I, I think I – look – I enjoyed this conversation when I was having it, and I've listened to it again, and I can I can vouch for it as being interesting to me, and I hope it's interesting to you. you please check out Dr. Chris Ryan's book, Sex at Dawn. It's about uh, – uh, what is it about? It's, a, it's about how hunter-gatherer societies uh, used to be uh, uh, much less monogamous than we nowadays think human beings are supposed to be, and uh, – I've got a friend who read it, said it changed your life. So that is him, and I'm about to start this episode. You know, we cover a lot of ground on here. There's economic injustice, there's porn, there's climate change, there's plumbing, there's personal hygiene, there's friendship, breast milk, ice cream, and uh, if you hang in there long enough, we eventually talk about swamp tigers. So... Uh, Enjoy that. Check me out at my website, jakethis.com. I'm coming to Washington, D.C. this week, but who knows what this week is to you. Go to jakethis.com. That's how you can find out all the things about me. And uh, this is this. That is me, and this is this. And here we go. Oh, <laughs> not quite. Here we don't quite go. So this conversation I mentioned is long. It's two and a half hours long. So now that is you know that now because I just told you so don't think that you have to listen to it all in one go. You can listen to it. You can come back to it later if you listen. I know you have a device. So don't get on me about how long it is. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. You can break it up into bits. You can listen to a half hour. You can go listen to something else. You can come back and listen to a half an hour. That's how it can work. That's how it can work for you. That's I, I'm trying to help you in your life to fill up your ears with things that because they're empty. Your ears are just walking around. You're walking around thinking things, looking at things, and and uh, and your ears are empty. So now, here, I'm here to fill up your ears. So now, fill her up. Here we go. How to do that and 
instead of playing air guitar, <laughs> air guitar. <laughs> Sorry. I took air guitar lessons for years as a child. Yeah, well, but the, the great thing about those is no you talent. can well, you can progress really rapidly on the air guitar. I actually won an air guitar contest once. Oh, really? It was one of my proudest moments of my teenage years. Yeah, I was in Syracuse, New York. They were doing this, you know, I was like 18 or something, drinking pina coladas. Mm, that's an 18-year-old mistake. That's an 18, that's a, an entry, what do they call it? The, like they used to say marijuana is a gateway drug. <laughs> pina coladas are a gateway cocktail. Yeah, all of those sugary ones where it feels like you're not drinking a drink. Right. Yeah, <laughs> And then you're ralphing in the bathroom. Yeah, but I won because I was the only contestant who... Um, the the final song was Foxy Lady, I think, Jimi Hendrix, and I was the only contestant who switched and played left-handed. And the, the judges noticed, and they were like, that guy is a scholar of the air guitar. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> you won. It's sort of on a technicality. I, I prefer to think of it as a... Just a deeper level of knowledge. It's like if, if, if it had been a Django Reinhardt tune, I would have broken my finger, you know? Do you know about Django I Reinhardt? I didn't know that about his finger. Yeah, that's why his style is so distinctive. He, he was in a fire. He was a gypsy, and he lived in a trailer, and his trailer caught fire, and it burned one of his fingers on his left hand. And so he couldn't do four-finger chords anymore. Mm-hmm. So he does all these three-finger chords that nobody had ever done before, and he developed this crazy way of playing that nobody had ever played because of his disability. So it's one of those great stories of, like, you know, you know, a silk purse out of a pig's ear or whatever the fuck that thing is. Yeah. He made a positive out of a negative, in right. other words. If, well, he, if just, he hadn't had the accent, he'd just be, like, a good guitar player. He wouldn't be... Django fucking Reinhardt. I don't know that that's true, though. Don't you think he would still be great? I mean, if he was going to be great, he would still be great. Do you think he would not have worked as hard? He would have said, look, I got all my fingers. I can just coast. Well, I don't think it's the worst. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm no expert on this, but I think that he wouldn't have developed the distinctive style because he could have played like everyone else. Right. So he'd be great because obviously he was a great guitarist and great artist, but he wouldn't have played a style where, you know, you play a couple of bars of a Django Reinhardt song and you know it's him immediately. Right. That's very hard to do with guitar. Like, how many guitarists do you immediately know that's them? Hendrix, Santana, Django? Maybe. Uh, well, I think guitar-y, guitar-y people can recognize the other ones. You know, Eddie Van people? Halen. Hey, guitar players. Guitar-y, guitar-y guitar people. Yeah. Guitarists. You think so? That I, think, I think they can recognize more than just the few that we can recognize because yeah. they have a well, that's true. Uh, cessation of it. Yeah. But it's hard to have a voice, right, on a guitar because so many people yeah. play guitar. And there are only five strings. Yeah, I don't really... I've, I, I've purchased several guitars in my life thinking that that was a thing <laughs> that I was going to learn how to do. Yeah. And, uh, and then now, and now, now the purchases have gone... They, they've gotten smaller. The guitars have gotten smaller and smaller because the theory is... I'm going to get the guitar that I can take with me on the road and then practice right. in my hotel. Right. Meanwhile, yeah, there's not that So much. now you're like traveling around with a ukulele in your bag. I have this tiny electric one now that where the where the tuning pegs are inside the little body of the guitar. Uh-huh. But even that is big enough that it has to go. It won't go in the seat in front of you. So you have to put it in the overhead bin, and uh-huh. it's it's 
fragile enough that you then are sitting in your seat worrying about what someone else is doing in the overhead bin, and so now you're that kind of the anxiety, rich, yeah, the uptight yeah. person who's then watching. Careful, my guitar's up there. Yeah, and yeah. to do that, you know, yeah. four times or eight times a month, if I got to connect. To, I just, it's, I, that's already built into my personality to be worrying what other people are doing in the overhead compartment on the plane. Really? And now to have a legitimate reason to do it, like, yeah, now, now I have to do it. Oh. So I was thinking about this on a plane the other day. Like, the number, if you add up all the, the little spiels that we listen to about, you know, in the unlikely event of a water landing, your seat cushion is a flotation device, and you follow the lights, and you do this, and you put the mask mm-hmm. on your own face, and blah, blah, blah. Versus how often that actually happens, that's a huge fucking waste of time. I've never been in an emergency water landing, and I doubt I ever will be, but I've listened to hours of that preparatory bullshit about what to do in case of a water landing. It never fucking happens, and if it does happen, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be going, what did she say about the... You know where where no, do I be in a blind panic? Thing? But there'll be some people who know what to. The reason that they do all those things is because there there are times when something happens and it and then they go back and look at the game footage metaphorically and go right. these idiots. If, we'd only if they told only them. knew that we made those things float, why didn't we tell them? <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I think everybody gets it at this point. I well, mean, the grown-ups get it, I, but there, but there's kids who still don't know how. And to. you think those kids are going to go? Oh, what? Now let me remember what she said there about the uh, finding the nearest exit. And no, they've heard, the they've heard it a million times. Information. They've heard it a million. I think it's bullshit. Is what I think. No, I I totally get in your position on this. I think you look at the the actual threats to us in in life, and mm-hmm. an emergency water landing is very fucking low on the list of things that could happen. And yet, that's the thing. You know, you don't get a speech every fucking two weeks telling you what to do in case of a bee sting. You know, you don't. You know, it's like, come on, let's be realistic here. Okay. I, like, oh, there's no smoking in the bathroom on an airplane. Really? I, I haven't heard that five hundred million times in the last. 30 I know, years. but as soon as you stop telling people there's no smoking on the plane, some jackass is going to be up there vaping. Well, how come they're not saying there's no like there's no shitting in the aisle? You know. Well, this is a okay, right. There are the some things. Flight. There are some things that we know, but but the, the now that now they've added the vaping thing to the cigarette yeah. thing, so there is some yeah. new information that's going but why? on. That's not smoke. Who gives a fuck if someone's vaping? I don't need to be breathing that. St- it's not good for you. That vapor. No, no. they. I, they're it more and more. They're dissipate kind of, into the. It dissipates right into your what are the what do you call alveoli <laughs> right in your inside your I was going to say areoli but that's a whole different it doesn't disappear into those well, it depends where you blow your smoke mm-hmm. yeah yeah it does depend where you blow your smoke that's a good t-shirt yeah I uh, I don't know if, if it was on a podcast or what I was I, I just got back to Spain recently right. Uh, after well, you've been on a so the last years. since the last time I saw you, you you've been uh, globe trotting, and I have been too. By the way, this is really funny. This is weird that we're because what happened was you know I got to Jake's house, we sat down, we had a couple of bagels, made some coffee, we're chatting, and then Jake just sort of very very um, almost imperceptibly sets up his little recorder here, and and the conversation continues, and yet now. There are all these people listening to us. It's, well, it's don't, weird. We're not I mean, in the studio, or 
No, because my wife's not here, so we could just record. But we did discuss the possibility of, of recording. Oh, oh, no, of course. I feel like it's the not like you blindsided life. me. It's just that it was seamless, and so I need to keep reminding myself that, you know, now we have an audience, even though they're invisible. Yeah, they are invisible. It's kind of like that, that Kurt Vonnegut. You ever read, um, was it, uh, what was the one, the Slaughterhouse-Five? That's the one where he's he's in the war in Dresden, but he's flashing back and forth, and in then time he's like in time. space yeah. in this in with this. Montana Wild. Yeah, he's exactly. A, he's a zoo. He's a he's a zoo display of. And there are all beings. these beings watching them, and then they applaud when they have sex and stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like like that, like we're in a dome. Well, that's interesting that you say that because I think that that's where we're heading now. And uh, it's just more and more people are recording themselves and yeah. videotaping themselves and sharing it and f- FaceTiming and w- what's the other thing? Well, uh, Periscope. There's Periscope, and now Facebook has videos, too. Did you right. see the thing the other day, the lady in the Chewbacca mask? Everybody saw it. I, I didn't really look at it. I it's, saw her sitting in a car, and then I just went, it makes you ha- I know. I didn't want to watch it either. I heard it on NPR. I heard someone talking about it. This is how you get to me. You got to get them to do a story about it on NPR, and then I think, well, let's see what these jackasses at NPR think is funny. These are just a bunch of stiffs. And then so I like watch Ari Shapiro is your source of uh, of news. Is that his name? I, I this yeah. is trouble. It's troublesome for me. They, they've all got speech impediments, and so their voices are very different from each other. But they've also got. I can't get their names straight, even though they sound. They sound. They don't sound like people. They don't sound like people that you know. They sound like unique individuals, the NPR people. Do you get annoyed by people who have three names? I'm Corey Flinthoff Lifthammer. Like, fuck you. Okay, why do you get three names? It's like people with big-ass umbrellas. Fuck you. Use a normal-sized umbrella. I don't like the three... I don't care what your other name was. I don't mind it if if you need to be if if you're like David. I'm not sure about David Foster Wallace. I'm not See, sure. About I think that. that's pretentious. Is it because? But is that a hyphenated name? Is it? Is, can we blame him for it? Because is Foster his middle name, or is it Foster Wallace because his parents weren't really in love, and so his wife said, <laughs> "Look, you got to stick my name in there too." Because <laughs> I only have love you. Yeah. yeah, I might be out of here soon. I need to yeah plant my flag in our child. <laughs> I think it's very pretentious. These three named people—they're taking up too much space. No, I get it, and that was I'm grumpy. You may have no. This, you're in a, you're, my first instinct when you were going off on the airplane safety lecture was kind of to try and explain to you why they do that. Don't and I, I tried a little bit, but you were just not I'm having, having it. Like no, 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 no. I am going to keep telling I'm you grumpy. my opinion, and I'm going to get louder and madder until you agree or you just stop talking. Yeah. So anyway, I'm back in Spain, mm-hmm. and the mannequins have nipples over there. It's something I'd forgotten. Do they? Yeah. The mannequins in mannequins Spain have, have nipples. nipples. So that that's you ask me why I live in Spain. That sums it up right there. Well, it's a good quality for everyone really to have nipples, but uh, the realistic mannequin. I, although I bet they're not realistic. This is the problem with mannequins. Well, generally, some of them is, don't have heads, but they do have nipples. And they're far more sexualized than American mannequins. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was walking down the street in Barcelona, and there was this, you know, window display, and I looked up, and it's like, oh, damn. Oh, that she's got erect nipples. Not only nipples, but erect nipples. Well, yeah, if you, want somebody, to, night, if you yeah. want somebody to buy the shirt, you've got to <laughs> show it off in its best. Like, if you wear this shirt, look what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't wait for the sexist... Uh, police or who you know everybody's the police now 
to get on the mannequin. This the idea that these mannequins are like this is so terrible, you yeah. know, sexist and awful. We should have transgender mannequins to be inclusive. How can you tell that they're transgender though? Oh, oh, they you well, they have the breasts and a you know and a paquete. Have a little bulge down there. Mm. Pre-op. You want a pre-op <laughs> transgender mannequin? <laughs> or yeah, it's so confusing. Transsexual, I guess. That I just be. feel like this whole... I think that the whole bathroom <laughs> argument was created so that yeah. the, the Republicans could say, look, we can make this into a big deal, yeah. and Democrats won't just be able to shut up about it, and we'll have enough fight it, on our hands. It'll distract them. Yeah. Because I, 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 the solution to this is just, hey, what about everybody bathrooms? What about you just go in the stall, and who cares what you got in your pants, and right. you do your business? Right. We're not in there to... To judge people politically, that we're just pooping. And the only people who are like turned on in bathrooms are Republican senators. I mean, that's pretty clear. That sex in a bathroom thing. I mean, you're a good person to talk about this because you wrote a book that has yeah, sex I, in the I title. Go to the bathroom. Have you ever had sex in a bathroom? Uh, I've had sex in showers, certainly. Not as good. I don't like, think the shower is as good as it's made out to be. Well, I think porn. a lot of a lot of sex. Sites are not what they're made. Sex on the beach? Fuck that. Sand? You sand. want sand in your in your twat? Sure. Just have sex on the beach. <laughs> I'm glad that you workshopped the title because <laughs> you want sand in your twat. <laughs> Sorry. Do you do you have like a? Are there children in your audience? Do I need to be? Well, there could I be. But no, I feel here? like people have to take care of themselves. Yeah. That, you know. You, look, you got sand in your twat. Get it out of there. Flush your twat. Um, <laughs> I just want to keep saying twat now. But Twat's a great word. I want to Google twat washing. Yeah. Just because I know we're going to wind up in trouble if you do that. But there must be some way to get the sand out. This is not a conversation that two men should be having. This is a conversation that ladies should be having in their own privacy time to you know share insider knowledge about maintenance of their <laughs> insider knowledge. I like that. Yeah. So no pun yeah. intended. But then, okay, you got sand in your. What's it called? Your precipice? Is that the like the opening of your penis? There's a I think it's called a precipice, or, or maybe that's where the foreskin goes over the head of your penis. Are you circumcised? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get that straight right now. <laughs> yes, I am. Are you? Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. yeah, it happened. I didn't have it. I didn't have a choice. It wasn't a voluntary. It just thing. happened. Yeah, and my and, and I'm not Jewish. It just was me a either. thing. It was. It's American. It was a You're American. Well, yeah. that was a thing that was happening then. I think there's less circumcised dudes now i mean it was it's a it's a conversation that you have to have when you're yeah. having a kid yeah. with your spouse but like, when we, we were born it was just what those just stand no everybody's doing it yeah everybody's doing it yeah and it's uh interesting when you're with a, a woman who's not from american culture and they're not used to it there can be some misunderstandings you know like um what is that? Well, you know, That's you, my penis. you treat uh, a circumcised penis differently than an uncircumcised penis. Because the uncircumcised penis has all this extra skin on it. So mm-hmm. you can, like, jerk it around and do things without lube that you can't do with an uncircumcised penis. I was with a Spanish woman. The first Spanish woman I was with, um, mm-hmm. she, the first time we were naked together, she said, so great, she said, I've never been with a circus-sized penis before. <laughs> <laughs> it's circus size. Circus size. Speaking of which, you know, I won a porn award recently. Yes, I did know that. I'm the reigning best performance, best, in, best non-sexual sex. performance. Mm. Congratulations! Yeah, well, you. and you did say though that that, w- that was not without its, uh, 
you know, problems that the the actual experience of making the porn wasn't as wasn't. What well, I didn't do any sex know. scenes. Yeah, hence the non-sexual performance. I just don't think. Uh, I think there's some point in your life, as a man anyway, where you kind of have a have this idea that it would be fun to be in a porn as a sex performer. If it, you know, if you could just detach that it's going to be like worse than a tattoo in terms of haunting you for the rest of your life. Right. Um, but the reality, I don't think, would be great. Yeah, I've been on the set of several porn movies and sort of experienced that. Weird? Was it weird? It is people having sex. They are really having sex. Yeah, it's really having sex. And it is, I, mean, I don't, it doesn't seem weird anymore. It, it's something I found, well, sort of, once you're in a room where other people are having sex, um, then it doesn't really matter if it's an orgy or you're just a party that got kind of wild or a porn set. It's just like, oh, they're, they're fucking. It becomes very like you're, like you're at the monkey cage at the zoo. It's just like it, it's not as hot as you think it's going to be. So, so there's not, it's not a thing where, where other people on this crew are having to control themselves or no, they're getting turned it's, it's on or anything. Nobody hot. else is getting turned on. No, you're there with lights and the, there's a the sound guy holding the boom and you know the director's sort of you know going okay and you know now can you turn her around and okay and like and you know, okay oh you want me to okay hold on I'll do that and then it's it's so the, it's so the, artists so, doing their thing you know right. it's it's pros it's not like well they're not really into it they're pretending they're into it they're pretending they're they're acting they're acting you think that they can't act when you watch them do the part where they're not having sex right and then the sex part is yeah. very convincing yeah yeah. I mean, I've only been on two or three sets, so maybe there are women who are actually like, holy cow, going and, you know, getting nutty, you know, mm-hmm. but not the ones I saw. Yeah. Yeah, I just... And I was on a set, actually, where the dude had erectile problems, and so there was all this sort of, like, poor guy, and, you know, let's try this, and... Uh, well, then once you get to... Once you get in your head about thinking about yeah. your erection, you, yeah. you're, you're in trouble. And it was, and the, he was like all apologetic. Oh, I'm really sorry, you know. And it was, it was very, <laughs> it's very kind of. But I thought, don't they all just take Viagra? So they're just boom. Yeah, but I guess Viagra doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you build up a tolerance. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So what well, the hell was are a good little sideline? You mentioned uh, nipples, you, and look what happened. Yeah, you were in Spain. You you've been to Spain. Well, you were talking about traveling around, and then the first thing that we needed to talk about was the nipples on the mannequins. Because that's on your, it's on your list. Yeah, it's on my list. And then topics. the political. Well, I was saying the political correctness thing uh, yeah. of the politics of the, every the, the controversy about bathrooms, and just I can't even watch the news half the time. The things that they're making out that we're all supposed to weigh in and have an opinion and then some people are so mad about it that i can't even enter the conversation as a rational person because yeah. i feel like look i'm, I'm just going to get anger unleashed on well me. it's not a rational conversation that's the thing like irrational people aren't worried about who goes into what bathroom it's just not an issue you go to sweden nobody's talking about it nobody gives a fuck it, you couldn't get spanish people upset about this they just would they're like what are you talking about that's ridiculous there, I, I probably mentioned this in some other conversation. I had this Spanish friend years ago, and we were talking about America, and he said, Chris, the 
best thing and the worst thing about your country is that Americans have no sense of the ridiculous. Well, we don't realize that we are being observed. Let's circle back to that whole mm. premise that we're, we're that we're our conversation is on display. We don't realize that we're being observed, Americans, by the rest of the world, right? Because yeah. the United States is so big, and a lot of pop culture, and certainly our n- news culture, comes from here. But also, entertainment culture comes from here so much of it. Yeah. So we're just re-witnessing stuff that we do, right. and then. I, you know, I was in Australia for this comedy festival, and yeah. everybody there is like, "What's going on? You're going to elect a racist, a misogynist Lunatic. reality TV star as your yeah. president?" And I go, "I, I don't know. I maybe." Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I know a lot of people who are freaked out about it, but maybe we are going to do it. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We're being observed. It's true, and they're very concerned for us. Well, that's that's what I was saying about this conversation, about this recording of the seamless recording of the podcast. I think we're heading down the road to where everybody's recording all of their stuff and splurting it out onto the Internet. And, you know, there's not going to be any privacy, but there is going to be privacy because people are only going to be watching, rewatching the things that they did or the people that they, you know, audiences are getting smaller and smaller and smaller until finally you're back down to your friends. It's like, why, why do we need to record this? I'm only right. talking to you. <laughs> so you can listen to it later. Yeah, you're the only person who listens <laughs> to my podcast. As I'm talking to you, you're looking at your phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're fucked, man. Well, that's, that's where we're going. That makes me a little bit sad. Where are you going next? Are you? Are you, when's your book coming out? When's the book coming out? I've got the T-shirt. Later. I've been wearing it in other countries. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of interest a lot of in the civilized monkey the T-shirt. t-shirt. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I feel like if it's just a T-shirt, that's great. It's a nice T-shirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's probably coming out early next year. But I need to. Uh, well, what happened was I. So I was writing this book and. Um, you know, there was a proposal and an agreement of what the book was going to be with my publisher. But as I was writing it, I got into uh, an area that, you know, you know, when you're, you're doing anything creative like this, you, you, things open up that you don't expect, right? You think you know what the path is, but you're halfway down and then suddenly like, oh, what's this? So this is really interesting. And then you start digging and it leads to more and more and more. Well, a book is like a documentary film where you kind of, you know what you want to study, but you don't know what's going to happen until you study it. Right. right. Exactly. Things happen. So I was working on it and I got into this area of, um, you know, essentially trying to answer the question of, you know, if civilization is sort of a net a negative for most people, which is what I was arguing, um, which is like a very subversive, you know, people think that's an absurd position to take, which is why it's exciting for me to take it, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, let's, you think that's a ridiculous question, let's actually look at it because you're going to find it's not. It's like in comedy, they say, dig a hole and climb out of it, right? So intellectually, right. I like to do the same thing. You know, try to like show something that you think is impossible. Like, and then by the end of the book, you're like, "Fuck, that's kind of true." So, I was working on this question of like, what is civilization? Why has it flourished if it's a net loss for most people in terms of quality of life? And that led me into stuff I had never thought about before in terms of systems theory and emergent. Properties of, of sort of 
how how higher complexity systems emerge out of less complex systems. Yeah, very simple rules can lead to very complex like fractal systems. stuff. Right, yeah. exactly. That's right. what I was going to say. Yeah. So that was fascinating to me. And at the time, I thought, oh, shit, but that's not the book I'm supposed to be writing, right? This wasn't even in the proposal. Mm-hmm. But this shit's really interesting. So, fuck it, I'm just going to keep going with this, and I'll worry about it later. So I did... And uh, and then I was leaving Portland, so I just had to. Like, I was just gonna like send all this. All, I had one hundred thirty thousand words. Send it to my editor and see what he thinks. So I sent it all off to him, and then he. There's got a back. person who will read one hundred thirty thousand words. That's his job. He's my editor. You know, but that's a lot of. Well, how long a book? That's a is, book. That's a book length. Yeah. Oh, I thought a book was like uh, half of that or less. Well, depends, anyway, go ahead. Depends Sorry, book. I got bogged down. Sex in and the Dawn number. was about one hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen. Okay. You know, by the end. So you sent the you sent it in. You moved. So I away sent from the manuscript. Portland. I left. I went to to Mexico and Asia and Africa. And then when I was in Africa, you know, we talked on the phone. And basically, he said, like, look, this is really interesting and it's really well written and these are fascinating ideas. But this isn't the book, you know, that I was expecting. This, you know, this isn't what we talked about. It's sort of half of what we talked about. And so we agreed that basically what I had there was the first half of two books. Which is true, they, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. and this stuff really is its own book, and it. And I just sort of shoehorned it in because I was passionate about it. So um, now what I'm doing is, as soon as I leave LA, I'm going to Spain. I've rented a house in the Canary Islands. I'm going to be out in the middle of nowhere. And sounds I'm, that sounds good. Rented a house in the Canary Islands. Yeah, on the on the slopes of a volcano overlooking the ocean. So, uh, Fuck, I want to come visit you. Oh, it's going to be great. And there's no internet. There's no phone coverage. I'm out. Like You're going uncivilized to I'm, write your book about how civilization exactly. is ruining us. Exactly. So then I'll, you know. So that's you're going to finish the civilized finish to death. book one, but I've already got half of the next book. Right. You know, ready. And, and I'm actually happy that it's working out this way. A, because the book that I was supposed to write is interesting and I, I really do want to write it. It needs to be written. But also, I want more time to think about these issues in the next book because it's the kind of thing where if I present it well and I really think it through, I feel like it could be profound. It could, it could really change the way people look at things. The second book. The second book. Uh-huh. If I don't, if, I, if I'm sloppy or don't think it through, I'll just sound like a raving lunatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, because it's a because it's a, it's a it's a well, you're trying to explain a really complex thing by taking right. it down to the simple rules and right. then blowing it back up, exactly. right? So yeah, that's, if you fuck up, then you're just like, what? It's a mess. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've all taken apart something that we couldn't <laughs> put back together. <laughs> like there are extra pieces left <laughs> yeah. over. Like, oh, mm, and yeah. it makes a weird sound when you turn it on. <laughs> exactly. So that's where I am. So the the publication's going to be delayed by a couple of months. It'll come out early next year. Okay, great. Well, I can't. What I'm interested in about every time I put on the T-shirt and I think about what the book must be about. <laughs> um, I, what I'm interested in is the thing that I, I mean, maybe this is a time of life thing too for me. But you know, you really start to think for yourself about what what does happiness mean and the definitions of happiness that we're sort of being preached. By by pop culture, the subtext of everything is right. you know get famous, get rich, right. bigger house, more possessions, 
take this kind of vacation and do yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah. And really, the things that actually make you happy are the connections, the friendships that you have. Right. And I mean, that was what was great about this trip to Australia to do this Melbourne Comedy Festival for me was to make friends with other people who were doing stand-up comedy and other kinds of stage humorous performances based based on this artistic vision and idea that they had and that mm. was their priority whereas here it's like well what tv show can you get on and then how many tickets can you sell and the, these are the people that are showing up and you have to make them laugh at the thing that they think you have to find what you think is funny that they think is funny as right. opposed to, to to people coming and wanting to see something that you're doing and so this idea of being happier as a performer, performing for smaller crowds where you can kind of do the thing that you want to do and st- stop trying to please some audience that isn't there. That, the idea of living in a more, it, lowering your monthly nuts so that you can spend mm-hmm. more time hanging out with your friends or, yeah. or traveling just for pleasure as opposed, yeah. to, as opposed to work all the time. It, yeah. so, so those are the questions that I was hoping the book was going to answer yeah. in terms of like, how, what are we doing now and how can we change what we're doing now to make ourselves happy? That is what the book's about. And that's why I feel like it, it means I want to write it. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. like, I was talking to a friend the other day who's a writer and he was like, dude, just write what you're passionate about. Forget it. Give them their money back from the advance. Just forget that book. I'm like, no, I don't want to forget that book. I want to write that book. Well, you're you already know? writing what your passion is. You just got, yeah. you just kind of, it's there was a fork of, in the road and you want to take both, both forks. Right. Exactly. So I'm going to take this one now and I'll, I'll save that one and that'll be fine. That's but a Yogi Berra. Take both. And when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Take it. <laughs> exactly. Did he? Did he really say all those things? That I, well, I don't in? know. I don't know. Like, what was it? There was one I thought of the other day. Like, uh, nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded. It's too crowded. I, yeah. I think he did say that, and that's a pretty great. I mean, yeah. uh, there's definitely places I don't go because of that exact yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. He, there, there is a talent for saying funny things. There's like I, my ex has this. She's she's Spanish French and uh, but speaks English very well, but she and also Casilda, who English is her sixth or seventh language, they both have the ability. I think it's like a subconscious sense of humor. They say things that are hilarious that they don't know consciously they're saying. Well, or they don't intend they. When they start talking, their intent isn't to express that. But right. I, I think sometimes what it feels like to me when I hear those or when I've said them myself is that there's some you're trying to express an idea in words and then it comes out wrong but more right. Right. Like, for example, she mentioned in an email, because she had been saying this for years, but I didn't know until I saw it spelled out, uh, below job. Below job. That makes way more sense than blow job. What's a what? blow below job? Oh, below job. She thought for years that people were talking about giving below jobs. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife, my wife has a story that she loves to tell about how, and then she keeps saying this expression because she thought people were saying mighty wide of you. <laughs> 
she not, she not thought, white. Yeah, she thought that she thought they meant that's pretty broad-minded, yeah. mighty wide. Of you. <laughs> and so then, so she would say it in mixed company and stuff. She, she didn't realize people were saying mighty white of you, yeah. and so then. <laughs> Now she's now she's explained it to some people, but not every everyone, yeah. and yeah. she'll still say "mighty wide of you" sometimes, yeah. and it sounds like she's saying "mighty white of you," but yeah. then she doesn't follow up with the story; she just right. says it, and, and I'm like, like "You oh, can't." Your wife's a racist. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's no, you can't be doing that. I heard one the other day, and I think this was on. Uh, you know, what we were just talking before we started talking on the thing about uh, Joe Rogan, and I heard on his podcast somebody was. I think I'm pretty positive it was his podcast, but they were talking about a bumper sticker that they saw. It may not have been his, but it, it, the bumper sticker was, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty solid advice. It is solid advice. My sister was married briefly to a plumber in uh, Boston who had a tattoo on his arm. You know, the, the slogan of New Hampshire, right? That's on all the lights. Live free plates. or die. Right. Which, by the way, who makes license plates? Prisoners. Yeah, this is a, I, I have actually heard a comedian do that exactly. He stole it, it from me. Yeah, well, because it, it's such a it's it's one of those jokes that's just laying there, it's and then how cruel and unusual. How long does it wait for you to? Yeah, find, yeah this is wrong. So it's anyway, wrong for he's got a too. tattoo that says "Live or Die Free." <laughs> what uh, the fuck does that mean? <laughs> that means your tattoo artist was high as shit is what that means. Well, or that you don't bother. This is, this is the funny thing about people not spell checking or like if you're going to, I mean, it happens now with autocorrect. We had one in our little exchange, there was some kind of problem, but uh, that I had where, but, but the, you don't spell check or, or go like what it's the New Hampshire slogan. I think it's live, live or die free. And the guy goes, okay, I'll just tattoo that on. It's like, no, you, we got to look this yeah. up and well, make and they're sure in Boston. It's not like they're in Brazil. Like, you know, they're 50 miles away from New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. There's probably a car parked out in front <laughs> exactly. that they could go out and look at. Exactly. Like, even if it was pre-internet. Live or die free, man. Casilda, we were watching this movie with the Coen Brothers movie. I think it was Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where they're in the South and they escape mm-hmm. from prison. And they come up over a hill and there's a Klan rally going on. And she leans over to me. We're in a cinema and she leans over. She says, is that the Couscous Klan? The Couscous Clan. Aren't our foreign wives funny? <laughs> they are. The Couscous Clan would be such a funny, like, they act, they didn't realize that. <laughs> You know, they're in the Middle East. They named it the Couscous Clan. They didn't. Yeah, Tuesdays. We get together for, you know, Northern African food. We had to rename it when we moved to Arkansas. <laughs> well, what the fuck is Ku Klux? What is that? I have no idea what that means. I don't know, but this is a thing that we could, this could, this could be figured out. Um, okay, so, Google. But, but yeah, we know. What's Ku Klux Klan mean? That's what you do now. That's how yeah. Google does it, right? Yeah. You say, okay, Google to them. Although, see, we've just fucked up people because there are people listening to this in their cars and their phone is sitting on the seat and the phone just heard us say, okay, Google, and now the phone's like, beep, like, what, what? Is, it a go- is, is, it, is there such a thing as a Google phone? What kind of a phone do they uh, have? My phone's a Google phone. It's a Nexus. Oh, really? Yeah. This is a fine, fine instrument. Because right you don't here. get into the Steve Jobs world of things. I've got, I, all my computers are Macs. Well, that's what I like about that, time. about the dead Steve Jobs phone, is that it connects to the dead Steve Jobs iPad and right. the dead Steve Jobs computer. Yeah. And so that helps you out. Steve Jobs. Now, there's a guy, 
I, was, I, I wrote about this in, in Civilized to Death. This idea, people say, well, he changed the world as if that's always a good thing. He changed the world. What the fuck? Who says changing? Genghis Khan changed the world. Was that a good thing? Hitler changed the world, right? It's not always a good thing to change the world. So the world was pretty good 20,000 years ago. And that's sort of the thesis of the book. Like, we've been changing the world a long time, and now look at it. It's fucking full of garbage and dead coral reefs. And, like, and nobody has oh. any free time. What happened to yeah. all of these? I thought all these yeah. magic phones and tablets and computers were going to make life so easy. Everything was going to get easier. But instead, it's just yeah. a way for them to pay you less money, right. and so you have to work harder. This well, is the if you're lucky enough to have a job. And that's where the second book is. So the first book is like, you know, let's find, let's understand prehistory and understand the nature of our species. And, and, uh, you know, essentially the thesis is we are destined to live in an artificial environment like a zoo. We are the species that lives in a zoo it has created, right? Mm -hmm. So let's at least live in the San Diego Zoo. Let's live in a zoo where our environment replicates our natural right. world. Right? Not the Baghdad Zoo. Not the fucking Baghdad Zoo or the Calcutta Zoo. or yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the first book. The second book is, deep, on a deeper level, like what the fuck is actually going on here, right? And really the thesis of the second book is that we have been enslaved by an alien intelligence. That's why I said it could it could come across as lunacy. And I'm not going to say more about it because I don't want someone else to go out and write the book really quickly. I don't think that person is listening to this, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to recruit them as a listener so that then I yeah, could, we, could could talk my, to, we could talk I'd to pay them. them to write the book, actually. <laughs> hey, if, you're, if you are listening to this, yeah, you, you, you can make intelligence, a deal. I'm talking to you. Well, this is, this, now we're kind of getting into other things that I've, I've heard on Joe's podcast, that, that idea that we're in this, the we're already matrix. in the, soup, the computer simulation yeah. that we've created for ourselves to to be inside, you know, mm-hmm. and and it does, or or that we're evolving into, like we're the we're the larval or pupil stages yeah. of a thing right. that's that's a digital thing, right. you know, that they right. just they just squirt some DNA down onto the planet, and they know that that will eventually evolve and build houses and create the internet, and then build yeah. a computer entity and all of the. Squirt. All of the squishy people. Squirt. Nice word there. All yeah. the squishy people will die, and and then right. the, the singularity, the computer essence thing, will shoot its right. chip essence out into right. the world. So it doesn't matter that that we're trashing the planet because we're leaving it behind. We it is leaving the planet behind. It's leaving behind, and and also we we're not the most important. Well, this is my. This is the back to the consolation of. Of that we've already had a moron running the country, you know, and so it's not that big of a deal that we might have a moron running the country. The uh, the consolation of what's going on with the environment, and you know, my wife is so furiously trying to get people to wake up and stop doing what we're doing, and and you know, dial it back so that human beings can survive. Well, human beings aren't the most important thing on the earth, and we're not doing any different than if it was all tigers. They'd be eating each other and devouring each other. They wouldn't put the brakes on. Like they would, they would just go nuts until tigers couldn't survive anymore, and then the tigers would die. And that's what's gonna. That's what's. This is gonna be self-correcting, but not in a pleasant way for us. You know, in a way that there's so many people that they poisoned the air, and then a bunch of us die, or we we're digging up things and creating things that that some killer 
literal virus or it can be a computer virus or it can be a uh, financial virus that causes a global economic collapse to where a lot of us die off. And then the earth can either continue on with less people or continue on with no people and the cockroaches will take over. That's... uh, Do you need more coffee? (laughs) Can I freshen that up for you? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I don't have a good ending for that one. Wow. But that's the beginning of my book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. Your your book will be called Fuck to Death. (laughs) It's hard to make make it into a comedy show. (laughs) I've been trying to think about these ideas and make them into a comedy show. Yeah. it's really tricky to get it's that to tricky. Play. Oh, I like how, how you framed that as the consolation. But here's the good news. We're all going to be dead. Well, we don't have to do Well, look, human beings have this problem. A lot of our problem and why we're living our personal lives wrong is that we've kind of lost our our awareness of the fact that we're going to die. Oh, dude, the theme song to my podcast is uh, called uh, Smoke Alarm. Yeah. And the lyrics are... Hey, baby, what's the big deal? Uh, Say what you want to say. Feel what you're going to feel. No, feel what you're going to feel. Say what you're going to say because you're going to die one day. Yeah. That's the first stanza. And the whole song's about, you know, everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. I don't mean to give the end away, but you're going to die one day. The funny thing is I've probably heard it more times than you because I am actually a listener of your podcast. (laughs) And you're the person who's shooting it out into the world. (laughs) Right. Squirting. I'm squirting it out into the world. Intellectual DNA. You're ejaculating it into the universe. Yeah. Um, No, I think you're right. I mean, that avoidance of mortality is what civilization is, actually. I think the entire edifice of Western civilization is a giant distraction from mortality. Well, and and we would we would all be happier in our lives if we had that perspective and say instead of hey going out and trying to earn this much more money, yeah. I think I'm going to I'm going to spend my free time with the people that I love doing something that I actually enjoy or making right. some art or writing something or yeah. re- recording a conversation at the kitchen table to squirt into the internet. <laughs> um, yeah. but just like we have lost our awareness of our individual mortality, human beings have zero kind of awareness that, look, we're part of this other big thing. We're not the most important thing on Earth. We're just the most dominant thing on Earth right now. And species come and go and become extinct all the time. And, you know, we're sad that it's going to be the polar bears or the tigers next, but there's nothing to, nothing that says that human beings can't go extinct. Yeah. And maybe that's what's going to happen. I, I mean, nobody, the dinosaurs had put up 260, I think it was 260 million years right. as the most dominant species on the planet. And we've got what, 100, 120, if you go back to some monkey counting, um, 120,000, not million. Mm. So our number is pretty small. It's, yeah. we, it's, if we went extinct in the next 500 years, it would, it would seem pretty fast. But that's totally possible. It happens. Sure. Yeah. You know, maybe our, maybe, deserve it. maybe human beings, well, we were asking for it pretty loudly. Yeah. I'm going to take a picture of you so that people can, can see just how good looking you are. Uh, Do you, are am I having? Because my first Your instinct, eyes are like popping, man. So, and I think it's cool. People listen to the podcast and like, that's the moment he took that picture. <laughs> and then I took the picture. So here it is. This moment right here. Doom. There it is. Okay. Okay. That'll be up on my website, chrisryanphd.com. chrisryanphd.com. Or you can go to tangentiallyspeaking.com. 
So I'm doing a cool thing now uh, with my podcast. I what is what are you doing? I'm sort of lost a bit with my podcast because I had a great run down in Australia and and talked to some people. Um, but then I get back here, and if it, it, it's hard for me to kind of make the appointments and release the podcast on time, and I want yeah. it to be, yeah. I want it to be something that's interesting to me and not a job for me. Right. So I'm always interested to hear someone else's. Yeah, I mean, doing. I'm running. I'm behind. I normally release on on Monday, and today is what Thursday, and I haven't released one this week yet. So I'm. But sometimes they come out in rapid succession. Yeah, I try to make up for it, but I'm. I'm Doing a thing now where uh, I got this idea. You know, I have all these great guests on, yourself included, saying fascinating things and, and you know, really being sincere and authentic. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's all this great content, but, you know, and I have a pretty nice audience. I'm very grateful for the, the audience. I'm lucky in that respect, but most people don't know what the fuck a podcast is, right? And don't oh, have time to listen to it. Absolutely. So I feel that's like that's what a I waste. That's what I struggle with all the time because I, I'm, I'm trying to tell people at the show, hey, listen to my podcast. Well, the, the many things like go to my website, subscribe to the email so that so that you can come back because that's the only way we're going to connect with each other again. Right. But, but the podcast especially, it's like, hey, if you like me, you would like this. Right. But people hear it and they think it's, oh, that's some thing that other people do. That's and, and they don't people. even know how to do it. Right. Well, even people, I've, I've tutorial, tutorial, I've given people a tutorial. I've. Yeah, tutored. There is a word. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. I've tutored people after after the show at the while I'm trying to sell people a T-shirt or a DVD. I've I've taken their phones and said, "This is how you subscribe to a podcast," right. yeah. you know, because they don't even know. So, yeah. what are you doing? I'm doing a book. Uh, oh, the book of the podcast, right? Of excerpts from you know some of my favorite episodes, mm-hmm. and so there'll probably be twenty, twenty five different people featured in the first volume. And uh, if it's successful, then we'll do additional volumes. Because I'm pushing 200 episodes at this point. Right, right. And uh, so I just felt like, you know, what a great way. I've got the content. It's there. Uh, just get people and, and my listeners, have, a lot of them have volunteered to transcribe episodes, mm-hmm. you know, that they particularly like. So for them, it's fun to get in and listen to it again in detail. And um, so I'm working with this small publishing company called misfit press we we worked out a deal where they do most of the work and you know the production and the distribution and all that and uh i really i sort of oversee it from a distance but um they're doing most of the work because i just don't have time to devote to something like that and uh and we'll see you know it's something else my mom will sell out of the garage i no, actually they're going to do the distribution so mom won't have to worry about that but um it's a way to you know, because I think people listen to podcasts and like, man, you would love this. And but I mean, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't have time. I don't drive. I don't commute. People have a job where you know, like I, I interviewed a marine biologist a couple of weeks ago, and she listens to lots of podcasts because she's cleaning tanks and setting up hoses, right. and you know, she can do it. It's it's not. Well, that's when I do. That's when I do it. When I'm walking around here, fixing the compost bin or yeah. going to the post office box or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, I thought the book would be a good way to to bring the content to more people and also to further popularize the idea of a podcast. Well, it could, because I think it could work the other way as well. People read the book and now they have a taste like, of oh, this, and they're, yeah, they're immediately like curious, like, yeah. "Oh, I want to, I want to see that." Right. And it's interesting. You, you took that photo, which is what started this all off. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely been listening to podcasts. Well, Joe's podcast, where there's a where there's a you can watch it, which. 
I, I don't need to watch three right. hours of him talking right. to another person. But there are those moments in right. the podcast where something happens, and yeah. you're like, oh, I think I need to go and find the video to be able to see that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so people are going to be reading the book and and thinking this. I think I want to. I'd like to hear that this guy talk for an hour. Yeah, because it's not going to be a whole conversation, right? It's sure. going to be, you know, a few paragraphs or a couple of pages from from select ones. So yeah, you can go and listen to the whole hour and a half or two hours if you really like what this guy's saying. You know. Well, and, but it, it's an interesting also thing with podcasts because often people who aren't used to them will then try and listen to them and they'll be just like I when am I I can't listen to this for two hours it needs to be edited down it's like no there's plenty of places where you can yeah. hear edited down boiled things this is right. more a real way that real people talk to each other right real you know? time yeah so you feel like you're hanging out a little bit yeah speaking of Joe I was uh you know, every time I come to LA, we get in touch, and you know, mm-hmm. maybe I'm going to go and do a thing with him and whatever. So, uh, you know, I got an email from him yesterday saying, "Oh, dude, I'm sorry," because he asked when I was leaving, and he's like, "Oh, dude, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'm in, I'm in Montana bear hunting." <laughs> <laughs> of course you are, yeah. probably like with a knife in his teeth, you know. <laughs> in one, he's got a knife in his teeth, and he's texting on his, his smartphone with the <laughs> exactly. other hand. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to civilize the bear to death. <laughs> He'll be like wearing a bloody bear skin by the end of the week. That dude's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, old Joe Rogan. Shout out to Joe Rogan. Shout out, absolutely. Yeah, have you met him personally? Uh, I met him years ago before any of his current stuff was going on right. at the comedy festival in Aspen. Yeah, right. But he was the, you know, when you're both headlining comedy clubs, he's the guy who's on the calendar before you or after you that then you're the guy who runs the club who's I'm friendly with those guys that be telling me, oh, you know, this is, this is what he, you're going to the gym. This is another guy who goes to the gym. Or, uh, right. or we're having this conversation. This remembers, yeah. reminds me of another conversation that I had with that guy. Right. So I know, I know him from that time. Yeah. That yeah. time of comedy. So, yeah, since I saw you, I have been around the world. As have you. Did you, you flew L.A. Well, you flew there and back, I guess. Oh, yeah, I've been to Australia and back, and then I've been to the Dominican Republic oh, and back. Oh, right. that's right. That was a great picture of you and your wife, you Instagram. It you was, guys look great. It was beautiful. But the Dominican Republic is... So I was talking to someone about this aspect of it because tourism is a big part of their economy, and the way that tourism kind of... They've got it set up there is these... Resorts that are all on the beach and right next to each other. There's yeah. hundreds of these resorts. Right. And you go and you're on the resort and it, and it feels like you're in a hotel that could be in Hawaii. Yeah. But it's cheaper because you're in the Dominican Republic. But it's right. luxury like you're in Hawaii. But then the food, you know, you, you've taught these people who aren't used to going to the kind of restaurant that now you want them to have for you to be in this resort so when you go to the restaurant it's just a little bit different and and then when you go outside of the resort and you see this is the people who are working here at the restaurant like the 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 uniform that they're wearing to wait on your table is probably the nicest clothes that they have right you know this this huge gap between your economic situation and their economic situation kind of to me it 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 affects the experience of being there in a way that it just it was a, it was for a business thing, and so 
it, it wasn't my choice of how I was going to be living on vacation, but it, it was it was a tough one. It yeah. was a tough one. Yeah, that's that's sort of an omnipresent conundrum, right? I mean, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, well, it's disturbing. So what do I do? Do I not ever go there again? That's not helping, right? Because they're happy to see you. They well, want they want you to spend your money. That's their only source of income, right? You know, when the tourism, if there's an earthquake or something, and or a revolution, and nobody goes to the Dominican Republic, they're going to be worse off than they are now. But but how much of what you're spending is trickling down to the people who are living right. and working there, right. and how much is going to just a few people who In may not even be there? Yeah, yeah. That's because that's yeah. the that's the tricky thing. And and then someone was saying, well, it's not as bad as Jamaica, which is nearby. But, but it did have that element. When, you, when you're driving from the airport to the resort, and, and then we did leave the resort to go do uh, an activity, to go zip lining, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're driving through these towns. And when you kind of ask people who, who are working, you know, that are helping you either at the zip line place or at the resort, hey, can, is there a good place to go outside of here? They all kind of look at you like, no, you don't want to go. You don't want to go out there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, beyond the fence. Yeah, you don't want to go out there. <laughs> like, and then you see that at the edge of the edge of the last resort, there's a guy with a gun. Yeah, you know, to 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 who knows what he's there if he's keeping people out or in or I don't know. <laughs> out would be. Yeah, I think yeah. it's out. But yeah. they said in Jamaica it's even worse. There's yeah. there's fences and yeah. you're you're in that resort for your safety. And yeah. I was like, man, that just doesn't sound like a vacation to me. I was in Cape Town. Recently, you've been to Cape Town? No, South Africa? no. I'd like to go. I'd like to go to Cape Town. I'd like to go to India sometime. Yeah. Well, Cape Town was interesting. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful city. It's like San Francisco. It's just like a beautiful spot on Earth. You know, Rio. It's that kind of landscape and the ocean and the weather. Well, the geographic, like yeah. at the bottom of yeah. Africa. I mean, yeah. it's a pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. Um, but all the houses, all the houses, like suburban middle class houses have razor wire and alarm systems everywhere, every house. It's like really high security. And uh, like even our um, Cassie's daughter who lives there, they had an intruder in their house while they were there. They found out, they figured out later that he was in the house while they were getting up. Because the alarm went off and they thought the wind had set it off, so they turned it off. And they got up and got ready and went to work. And then they got home and there was all this stuff missing. Mm-hmm. And it's like the guy had come in, was hiding in a bedroom or a closet or something while they got ready. <laughs> you know, and he was in their house. Scary stuff. Well, because the income disparity that, is so exactly. great that right. it's like that's it's worth it to this yeah. guy to climb over this razor right. wire and come in your house just because right. maybe he can get an ipod or right. something yeah that's true and they're like they were talking about their roads like the road out to the airport if your which goes through the slums like if your car breaks down you call 911 you lock all your doors and you hope that the cops get there before the predators and they were telling us stories about like friends of theirs the car broke down and like you know and the cops are like ready they know like that's a high high risk thing so they're on they're on their way the minute they get the call but still these guys are just waiting you know and they come out with their guns and like there's no getting away do it's, they want to murder rough. you, or they just want to take all your they, stuff? They want money. But the one case they were telling us, the guy didn't have any money, and they pistol-whipped him and knocked all his teeth out. 
because he was like, I'm sorry, I just don't. I mean, I've got this, like five bucks or whatever. And they were like, ah, smashing them. Yeah, it's. Well, same thing. We, Cassie and I were thinking of living in Brazil years ago because she's a Portuguese doctor. And in Brazil, Portuguese doctors are very sought after, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so we were looking at it like, yeah, we could go there. She could make a lot of money. And we're in Brazil. And Brazil's fun and, yeah, sexy and all that. And we talked to some people, some doctors who lived there, and they were like, yeah, you know, you're going to be living behind a wall with razor wire. You're, you're, every time you go out, your car should be armored. You know, you have to really think about kidnapping. It's a serious consideration. Oh, like, my God. Oh, I don't want to live like that. I don't either. But, you know, the fact is we choose not to engage, but it still exists. You know, it's not like... It's not like by not participating somehow we're making it better. We're well, just removing ourselves from the situation. Well, when you t- well, then to go back to the whole civilized to death thing, and then to the, you know, Belinda was quoting, uh, oh God, what's his what's his name? The guns, germs, and steel. Um, Jared Diamond. She was quoting Jared Diamond. Worst comb over ever. Yeah, it's tough that people can't. I think it's because your friends are your friends, and they just can't find a way to say to you that looks terrible. It's like it's like being Michael Jackson. Like he didn't, there was no one around him and told him, Jay, like, hey, can, cut can, it out with your nose. We're friends, man. right? Yeah. Can we make it packed that if I ever do something that ridiculous, you'll tell me? What if I just immediately said, "I'm glad you asked," because. <laughs> Of three things like right now. Well, not, no, uh, I don't. Yeah. Turn, pause this thing and then tell me. <laughs> no, you don't. We'll be right back after Jake humiliates. But me. I mean, that's how, that's why it doesn't happen because because, because it's, it's you. <laughs> that would be a great moment, great radio moment. Would you tell? Would you tell me if? Tell I, me if my breath stinks. I'm already your breath not. Stinks. I'm already not telling you. Okay. <laughs> I've been not telling you for years. Can't you see that? (laughs) (laughs) But so Jared Diamond, worst comb over ever. She was talking about him and these, uh, you know, tribes people that he had met. And I think it's Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea, yeah. And and the thing that they wanted was pants with pockets in them so that then they could have, you know, they wouldn't have to share with the rest of the tribe because they'd have a place to put their... And and then I was saying, well, you know... We kind of can go, ha, 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 these primitive people, that's what they want, or pants with pockets so they can hide stuff from it. But what, what are we doing? We've got bank accounts. Yeah. We've, got, we've got all of this. The idea that you can have more than you can carry around is really a modern idea of civilization. Because yeah. the way that it used to work is if you had all this shit and nobody else had anything, they would just come over your wall and take it. And you could put up all the razor wire you want, but if, unless you have the backing of the police and some kind of government behind you, yeah. it's going to sort itself out. Now, I'm not saying that's what we should go back to, but, but, but when you think about it that way, the, the solution to all of this has got to be a little bit of so, some kind of, not maybe not global socialism, but there's got to be some kind of recognition of like, We've got a lot, and these other people have nothing. I mean, the reason that we can have our iPhones made by children in China is because they're desperate and broke. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I I did an interview the other day with a guy, a really interesting doctor who um, does Helminth therapy. Do you know about this? Helminth? Helminth. Weird word. It's, um, It's essentially where you intentionally uh, get people give people hookworms yeah I, hookworms. I, I heard about that on uh, I think it was on a radio, radio lab, lab. Yeah, yeah they did a r- interesting episode on that 
Um, and it yeah. was to combat some kind of severe uh, autoimmune, autoimmune thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the Crohn's disease, MS, multiple sclerosis, asthma, allergies. There's a lot of stuff. Well, I was reading a thing on online a couple of days ago about a doctor who, or, or a scientist who was who had a theory of allergies that they yeah. were caused by the body's immune system having an overreaction right. based on its its use its way of um, dealing with worms intestinal yeah well that's the theory underlying the work he's doing so Mm -hmm. we were talking about this and you know and he was talking about this this tendency we have to you know identify enemies in this case germs right and and sterilize the environment and how that seemed like a good idea and now it's created all these problems you know the immune system evolved over millions of years in the presence of parasites and different things coming at it and you remove all that stuff that's coming at it and then the immune system is like well well, you know it's like a guard dog and and like it attacks the owners eventually because there's nothing else going on so that's what the you know it's the the hygiene hypothesis right and well, like I, I sort of believe some oh, of that. Well, it, it makes know, perfect it seems sense. Intuitively, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, in Sex at Dawn, I, I wrote about how uh, in the early 20th century, they were putting babies in sterile incubators, and then the babies were all dying because nobody was touching them, and the touch was more important than being separated from germs. Well, they say that's one of the benefits of vaginal birth, is you get right. all, of that, exactly. all of that bacteria the from, mothers the, from the which birth go, canal. Which then colonizes the intestines of the child. And that if he doesn't get that, then the bacteria in the air goes in there and colonizes the skin. It's yeah, yeah. And I heard a folk. There was a folk wisdom cure or whatever the a remedy. You know, the the baby's colicky, and so what the mother did was took a little of her poo, right, and they do put it in, in the baby's mouth. Yeah, a little, little bit and stick it in his mouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we have this this. Aversion to, you know, we think we're sterile. And this goes back to the point you made earlier. We were talking about civilization as being, you know, a diversion, a distraction from the reality of mortality. We think we're separate from nature. We're ashamed of anything that reminds us that we are natural, like shitting and fucking and puking and snot and all this kind of stuff. Those are all shameful, disgusting things because they remind us that we are, in fact, animals. They puncture this mm, balloon. That's, that's of, the theory of where that shame is from. Well, that's it's, my theory, it's yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's, it reminds us that we're animals, you know? Like, you don't talk about shit in polite company. Well, why the fuck not? Well, you know? Well, this this other thing, like that, we're we are actually not just one thing. We're a That's colony the, we're a of all of this other. We're an stuff. ecosystem, yeah. right? So we're talking about all this, and the more he was talking, I couldn't help seeing the parallels between what he's talking about on a molecular level, or, or in a you know on a cellular level, uh, and in health and all that. It is so immediately. Well, here's a word. Extrapolatable. <laughs> so easily extrapolated. Extrapolatizing? I'm extrapolatizing like a motherfucker. Uh, to foreign policy. You mm-hmm. know? It's like just a couple days ago, they killed the, you know, Al-Qaeda number two. Blah, blah, blah. Who gives? 
gives a shit. It will change nothing. You know, you see this, oh, we got we got the number two Al-Qaeda guy. Like, oh, I guess that war's over now, right? Well, no, it's not over. Because you you can kill the cells, you can kill the organisms, the parasites, whatever it is, but you're not going to, if you sterilize the environment, you're just killing life. You're not going to solve the problem. Well, and the, and the idea that terrorism is just a thing that's happening for its own, like these people just love terrorizing right. people. They, it's they, like they, they hate us for our freedom. This is a reaction you to some ask. some part of their situation, not right. to not to right. justify it, but just to say, look, reality check. This is what people people resort to terrorism when that's the only way that they can express themselves well, well and they've got no meaning they've got no hope they've got they're not getting laid which is a big part of the islamic terrorism i believe you know like what do they think they're going to get a lot of pussy oh it doesn't matter if i die in this mission i'm going to have 200 virgins or whatever it is you know if we were just well, what i my joke before during when we when the gulf war the last gulf war the iraq thing was started up was instead of installing democracy we should be installing air conditioning we should be installing air conditioning and dropping um, porn and toilet paper and <laughs> and then saying this is who you can thank for this That's and right. then we would be we it, yeah the red white and blue where <laughs> Bringing freedom to the... It's true. I mean, it would have an interesting cultural effect. But, you know, he was saying, like, okay, when... You know, there's a case... Uh, I interviewed a guy who does fecal transplants mm-hmm. on the podcast. I listened Mark to that Davis. one because I was trying to talk my neighbor into getting a fecal transplant. For you? Yeah, because she's, she's got some autoimmune kind of stuff going on. And she wasn't up for it. It's a hard thing to talk people into that haven't heard of it. It's crazy. You know, in, in the recovery, 30,000 people a year in the U.S. die from C. difficile uh, infestation, which is caused by wiping out the, the biome in the gut. And then this horrible shit gets in there. And, there, and the ongoing treatment for it is more to more nu- nuke it with more right. antibiotics. Which is our foreign policy. Right? Oh, people are willing to sacrifice their lives to come and fuck us up? Why? We don't ask why. We're just going to go fuck them up. We're going to make them more angry. We're going to blow up more wedding parties in Yemen now. Right? That'll solve it. With drone, this whole idea that drones also are humane, I might get the, in the one sense they are humane because we're not dying. <laughs> but the, yeah. the, we never bother to ask the question like, hey, how would we feel if some other country was flying empty planes over the United States and just every once in a while something would blow up? Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and, then, and then they would send us the explanation of like, this is who we were trying to kill. Yeah. And sorry so, about all the cousins. No, we're not sorry. We just, you around. need to just understand that sometimes when we're trying yeah. to kill a guy, there's other people next to him. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the same mentality. Anyway, this was all triggered by you saying something about world socialism and redistribution of wealth, and that's the only way to actually solve the problem. And I'm thinking, like, that really ties in with with what I feel is the essential step to saving humanity as biological humanity. If we want, If we want to continue to exist as animals as we are, we have to stop this trajectory toward you know becoming machines which were already well mm-hmm. along that road but if we are going to stop it the the essential step is radical reduction in population 
because nobody ever questions like, you know, well, we need more energy for the growing world. Well, what if the population stopped growing? You know, then we wouldn't need more energy. Then we could stop fucking up the ocean. You know, except that, except that our economy, the reason that we have extra stuff is growth is is because of growth right and so you we got to stop having extra stuff we got to just use the stuff that we've already got well and we got to stop population growth we got to stop having more and more people and so i think this ties in with um guaranteed basic income you know about that i do but i feel like that's another one of those ideas that's going to be it's I understand the idea of it, but then in practice, I feel like there's going to be all these unintended consequences because of human nature to try and have more or to game the system or well, to you, trick it you out. You can have more. It's just that you've got a guaranteed thousand bucks a month or whatever it is, depending on the economy, right? You've got, so you don't need to. You, if you want to work, you can work. And this is the way it is in Europe, right? I mean, it's approaching this. There are. You know, if your your tax rate's fifty or sixty percent in the UK, right? You can you can go and work and, and be ambitious and make more money, but you're only going to keep forty percent of you know what you earn above a hundred grand a year or whatever, right? Right. So if you want to work, go work. You know, more power to you. But you know, a lot of that you're not going to get in terms of more material income. Well, or the terrible dark side version of it that I'm saying what's going to happen is you know. We're going to have this separation between the haves and the have-nots is going to become greater and greater, and eventually, the have-nots are going to, the people at the bottom are going to die out, and the next people up from them will be the have-nots. And you know, there's, they're either, ha- they're either, either we've got to try and make it more fair, yeah. or eventually, there, you know, the, the people who don't have jobs are going to stop being able to be people anymore because they won't be able to eat. You know, well, we'll starve but, them to well, death. But that's where we are now. That's where we are now. You're not going to starve to death if you get a thousand bucks a month for life. See, I'm talking about putting a, a floor. Everybody mm-hmm. alive gets the equivalent in their economy of a thousand bucks a month for life. So you can know, and there's no more welfare. Okay, there's no there's no more food stamps. So you you're alive. You get a thousand bucks a month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have a kid, you get eight hundred bucks a month, and we can't even we can't even though get to the point where we agree that everybody deserves to have health care. Well, not in America. Not but in a America. lot of most countries yeah. agree. No, that I, long I, ago, I've been hearing this idea yeah. more in America. Right. More well, they're more. they're doing it in Northern Europe. They're trying it in Sweden or Norway or in one major city there. And they're sort of looking at it in Switzerland. There was a ballot initiative. I'm not sure if they voted on it yet. But it's picking up steam. So my idea is, if we did that, I mean, that's, that gets into this question of terrorism, injustice, all this stuff. If everybody alive doesn't need to worry about that. Like You can get a job, but whatever, you work, you don't work, you study, you don't study, you've got 1000 bucks a month coming in no matter what. But if you have a child, you get a little less than that. Right, your child gets something, but you also you get less. So, so you build in an incentive not to have kids. So, if you don't have kids, you get fifteen hundred a month, let's say. So you, so there's an incentive not to have kids. So many people have kids for economic security. Remove that, and you're not forcing people not to have kids. There's no sterilization. I, yeah, but you, but you have to get people to intellectually understand that that's what's going on. And I feel like 
I, I feel like we're already seeing some of the this problem is happening now as we've got part of our population here in big cities is having more and more kids and the rational thing for them to do would be to have less kids because well but not necessarily because there is an incentive economically if we're talking about very low income people when you have more kids you get more government money so the incentive is the opposite the incentive is you know, for very I, poor people to have more babies because then they, they get more government money. I just feel like there's some un- there's some unanticipated uh, unintended consequences inside of this thing sure. that that there always are that that could turn out in a fractal way to be explosively problematic. Yeah. But um, but I'm ready to try it. Well, <laughs> you what know, we're I'm, doing sure as fuck isn't working. I, I, just to circle back, I don't know when you what your are you in a time? Crunch? I have to pick up a friend at the airport uh, at one thirty. Okay, so this can literally go on forever. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind. I don't. We're, I don't need to stop talking. and ask on this. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> so, wondered. are we going to co-release this? Is that what you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. That's good for me. All right. Yeah. Um, now I just derailed myself with that question. Uh, oh, I was going to go back to the to uh, get a little uh, political insight into our moment in time that we're having now with this election. Because when we, I can't remember if I even said this in this conversation, but the thing that I had shown Belinda about Cenk had to do with Bernie Sanders. And, and I, I know so many people who are excited about the idea of having Bernie Sanders as a president, afraid of Donald Trump as a president, and sort of like Hillary Clinton, really? That's yeah. that's that's our that's who we get if we don't you know, that's that's our best Very case scenario. It's yeah. really uninspiring. I mean like you said you're not gonna vote. I mean I'm gonna vote. I mean I'm gonna vote in this primary. I mean I I just I feel like I like a lot of Bernie's ideas, and then, and then I, you know, I suppose there's the unintended, unanticipated consequences of trying to implement his yeah. socialist ideas. But well, but there are unintended consequences no matter what. No matter you know, like you're saying, if we step in that direction, there are going to be mm. unanticipated consequences. But yeah, if you step in the other direction, there will be too. So you got to step in some direction, you know. I, what the funny thing to me is, I I sometimes I've said in conversations with people, hey, Donald Trump might get elected, and he might actually be the president that gets us all killed. Socialized medicine. Oh no, he could be. Well, he could get us all killed. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be a great time as an American to travel somewhere else when that guy's president. I mean, we're, we're, let's just put it this way: uh-huh. maybe time to give your passport a rest. Yeah, yeah. Put it. Put that Canadian flag on your backpack. Uh, yeah, well, when, well, and then when when Canada says like no thanks to Americans, that's when you go to Canada and they're yeah. mad at you. That's when you really realize something's going. Canada's weird. tough. I mean, crossing the border into Canada is uh, well. They've gotten tougher because we got tougher on them, mm. and that, and now yeah, no, they're tricky. I got detained once when I was going up there to work at a comedy club, and you know, there's. You don't have a work permit, and then it's like, well, I didn't know I had to have a work permit, or I don't think I need a work permit, and there there had to be a lot of going back and forth between my representation here and the club manager. And you're like sitting in a room, somewhere? and I'm sitting in a room missing a connecting flight because they needed to find the the, guy, the Canadian customs guy was very helpful to try and find. I mean, he wants to be able to let me in to go to this comedy right. gig, but he says, you know, you don't have a work permit, and I don't think I, I can't just let you in right and until finally they 
bored down and they got someone at the comedy club who could cite the chapter and verse of the regulation that says because it's this type of a venue which is a bar with food and so the cabaret part is not the main thing so he's allowed to come here and work even though he doesn't have a work permit because of this loophole once he could find that in the regulations and then he said look print this out and bring it with you the next time you come right because this is what they need to know to get in yeah canada canada can be i was i was going to vancouver a couple years ago and we wanted to spend six months up there right we had all our stuff in the car and Mm -hmm. and so at the border um i said to the guy you know, we'd like to get a visa. And he said, well, you don't need a visa. If, you know, you're American. She's European. I said, uh, I said, yeah, but, you know, I think I, we'd like a visa just because I'm going to be coming and going. And, you know, I don't, I don't want there to be any confusion, whatever. So, okay, so go wait over there. And uh, so we're sitting there waiting. And, and he, he asked some questions, you know, have you ever been convicted of a crime and blah, 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 a terrorist organization, whatever. And then he calls me up and he says, uh, yeah, is there anything you want to tell me? And I said, what do you oh, mean? Oh, no, he found something? Yeah. Oh, is this the candy bar story? Yeah. Oh, He's man. like, Fairbanks, 1983. And it's like, oh, what? Really? What? That, yeah, this candy bar bullshit, the Snickers bar. And he's like, you know, and I, and I, I was laughing. And I was like, dude, you know, that was in 1980. Yeah, like the guy, the judge told me that would be off my record if I didn't get in trouble. Again, for a year. And he's like, well, it's not off your record. It's, you know. And he said, we get your FBI records. So, you know, because I told him, like, I've been saying no to that question my whole life. You know, have you ever been convicted? And I, have, I wasn't convicted of a crime. And he said, well, according to your FBI record, you are. You were. And you've lied to an immigration official. I can bar you from Canada for life. And I was like, Jesus. He said, I'm not going to, but I'm just telling you. When you come to Canada, say yes, because otherwise, if it weren't me, they could just stamp your passport or you know make a note in your file. You'd never get in here. Except, really, that's that's the solution. That's that's what technology and computers and information sharing has brought us to the point where I actually have to tell you something's not true because the internet said it's true. Like some computer made a mistake, and I, the human being, has to know that I need to lie to make the computer seem right. Because we, yeah. you don't have a way to go in and right. delete that universally, well, globally like the around no the world. List. Imagine if you're on the no-fly list. You're fucked. My friend was on the no-fly list for a little while, and he was, a, you know, not super famous actor, but a famous actor for a well-known part in a movie. Really? And they would flag him and take him to the other room all the time to talk to him for a half an like hour. someone that they would know that's him by looking Not at everybody him? would know, but a lot of people would. A lot of, sure. yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. But he had the same name that was wow. on the no-fly list, and so he was also on the no-fly list. And, yeah. and he, oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love that movie, Brazil. You ever watch that movie? Yes. Terry Gilliam, Robert It says Tattle. Tattle a battle. <laughs> <laughs> There's a mistake, right? Yeah, yeah. And Robert De Niro's the like terrorist plumber. Yeah. Remember, he'll like come in and do your plumbing without permission. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that's one of the he great. Straighten it out. Ever. Yeah. And then he zip lines away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, uh, speaking of Terry Gilliam, I I was watching a documentary recently about George Harrison, 
And I did not know that George Harrison financed um, The Life of Brian. Did you know that? I didn't know that either. Crazy. Yeah. Terry Gilliam was friends with George Harrison. And they had a, a company was financing the production, and they had like they had the sets in Morocco. I think they shot it. But it's also a Brit. It was it was a British sketch TV show. I mean, the Monty Python guys would have been known to everyone in England. I mean, yeah. they were certainly known to a lot of people in America yeah. at the time. Yeah. But he, he George Harrison, so the, failed him the out. The financier, yeah, he he bailed at the last minute because you know he'd finally gotten around to reading the screenplay, and it's like, <laughs> oh, they're making fun of Jesus. No. Yeah, wait a minute, this is sacrilegious. <laughs> yeah. So so suddenly they were like deep into production, and like there was no money. And Terry Gilliam mentioned it to George Harrison, and George Harrison was like, "Don't worry, mate. You know, we got you covered." And it was like five million dollars, which you know was money in those days. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so George Harrison, like Mister, you know, Om Money Bad Me Om, paid for the <laughs> one of the most sacrilegious movies ever. And Terry Gilliam wrote, "I'll get by with a little help from my friends." No, no, I know. But it just seemed believable <laughs> after that story. Like then he they pays him back by gives him that song. Yeah, yeah. Here yeah. comes the sun. He wrote, "Here comes the sun." No, but that's yeah. not about the the, the situation. Like just, oh, yeah, that's see, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's, oh, a, so, it's a song oh, about oh. the thing that just yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. See, that's why you're that's why you're who you are. And well, I'm not. <laughs> even a blind pig finds an acorn every once in a while. That was one of my dad's sayings. Did he really say that? My father? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a thing that a lot of people said, but my father used to say it. It's a funny thing to say because pigs don't look for acorns with their eyes. No, they don't. They sn- smell them. So especially a blind pig would find acorns because his sense of smell would be even more acute. I think that saying was probably originated by farmers who weren't doing a lot of thinking things through and they were just saying things to make a point and it's like <laughs> the it's other farmer would never go you know they don't actually find the pigs like truffles the thing that they're known for yeah. finding is because of their sense of smell yeah. pigs have a better sense of smell than dogs great sense of smell yeah i mean if you ever have like a, a pig a drug sniffing pig at the airport you know you got to watch your shit you got to be that's real when careful. you really got to be careful yeah because they'll they'll nail you. A friend of my aunt has a pig living at her house. Bill the pig. Is it a squatter or is this a pig that she's chosen to bring into the home? Uh, yeah, her son who used to live there had the pig. I think it was his girlfriend's or something. I don't remember how the pig arrived. My that's my girlfriend's pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a strange animal. It's very friendly. You know, when you walk by, it's friendly and smart, right? Yeah. But yeah, I have trouble relating to it. I'm. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of pigs. They just don't seem. I I mean, I'm. I've had cats and dogs, but I'm not a big pet person. I'm not a Mm. animal. I mean, I'm not a germaphobe person, Jeez, but it just I feels like... I like you. Now, now I'm starting to wonder. You don't like well, I don't, animals. I don't hate... I don't... No, well, I don't... I wouldn't say that I don't like them, but I don't want to live with one. And maybe that's also because I kind of can't... I'm a little bit allergic, oh. and because of the traveling, oh, yeah, yeah. I had a cat that I think went insane because I was gone a lot of the time, right. and, and she would be on her own. Right. Not, you know, just for like three, four days. She'd piss in your bed. 
No, no, she wouldn't do that. But friends would come. I'd ha- I'd have friends come over to hang out with her to you know make sure that the food you know she wouldn't run out of food and the litter box was okay and right. hang out. You know, right. come over. Can you just come over and read and hang out with the cat? Uh-huh. And the cat would like hiss at them or growl at them or pick fights with them. <laughs> it's like, look, I'm trying to do. You know, you can't explain to an animal like I'm doing you a favor. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I one of my cats died yesterday. Mojo. How can you have cats? You're on the go. You're you're a jet setting yeah, global. Yeah. Well, th- I haven't seen this cat in a couple of years. Uh, I tell you, lives lives at your parents' house. No, with the the cat actually was in Holland. Uh, a friend. You know, when we left, my ex took our three cats. That's a good relationship with your ex when she takes your three, three cats. cats. We have three cats. She did, yeah. did she have cats to begin with? No. So no. she went from zero cats to cat lady. To three well, and two kids and a husband. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they they took the cats. One of them died, and then uh, the other one went to her mother, and then the other one went to a friend who then moved to Holland. So the cat was in Holland, and I just got an email from him saying that Mojo had, um, you know, he bit the dust, as they say. Yeah, these cats don't last. Well, they don't last. They they're led. They're I think they should. You know, you've heard Sarah Silverman's thing about how she, you know, wanted to adopt terminally ill children because it's too much trouble to That's have them for so long. That's she could make. Yeah, I think they should. You know, breed breed short lived animals. Like, because I would love to have cat that like had a three year life expectancy. Well, what you want is a hamster. We had a hamster. No, I don't want a fucking rodent, man. I I want a no, cat. I, hear you. I want a you cat don't. that's like a kitten for two years and then a cat for a year and then dead. Because that's I, I, I can commit to three. But years. sudden, like it just shuts down, or do you want to? Because I don't want any decrepit dragon six months like going around. to the vet no, and no, that no. guilt trip about no, like, no. like yeah. dead, like sudden death, you know. Mm-hmm. And it would be good if it could be sort of programmed, like you know, November fourteenth is you the want end a of digital pet. You want some kind I of want a digital, a digital pet. pet. This is I, the thing: is I, you're I, fighting back against technology. But when we get downloaded into the matrix, this is going to be a thing that you can. And you should have, have. an app on your phone where you can say, like, okay, you know, I'm, I got to go somewhere in November. So can we just end this cat thing in late October? Pause it. You just pause the cat. <laughs> cat pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's true, and it's a funny thing. You go over to somebody's house, and there's just a dog kind of in mid-stride. Yeah, we pa- we're pausing him because we're going to Hawaii. Hey, don't shit there. Pause, hit pause, hit pause. Oh, take him outside, take him outside. <laughs> well, my, I don't know if I told you this story. I've, I've told this story on my podcast before. My father has this uh, golden retriever, mm-hmm. and... He's had like three or four of them now. This is the last. He's not a very original thinker, obviously, with the gold retriever. Well, some people, if it works, you know, don't. Well, that's it. Yeah, and they all whatever. So he has this gold retriever, and the the dog ran away, and there was this panic, like, oh my god, where's the dog? And they they live in a part of L.A. where you don't want a dog running around. It's just streets everywhere, mm-hmm. and the dog's kind of dumb, so like it's not going to. Across the street at the corner, and you know, so um, they've got signs up, and they're driving around, and they're knocking on everyone's door, and and a few days later, um, the pound calls, and hey, you know, the shelter, there's this dog, and we think it's your dog, so they go down, there's the dog, oh my god, and they're so relieved, my dad and my sister bring it back, and they're in the backyard playing ball with it. And my sister's boyfriend came home, and he looked out the window, and he says to my mother, whose dog are they playing with? 
And she's like, well, that's, that's Frank's dog. And that's not Frank's dog. So it wasn't their dog. They went and picked up a dog. A golden they, retriever. Because they all look alike. They all look the same, you know? And so, they had the same temperament, and the dog was just like, yeah, I'm Bob. I'm Bob. <laughs> the, the dog was like, hey, thanks. Great. Great to be here. You know, like, oh, ball. Sure, I'll chase your ball. You know? And then in retrospect, because then they get a call, you know, an hour later, like, hey, we got your dog here. And like, oh, yeah, that's right. Our, we already have our dog. <laughs> our dog had a call or this one doesn't. You know, it's like they're not. So, I mean, that got me thinking, like, okay, so they've got this dog. And then, of course, they take the dog back to the pound. And the dog's got to be like, what the fuck? What did I do? Yeah. I chased your fucking ball, man. But anyway, so the question is, like, what is love? What was going on there? Because they were feeling love for that dog. Like, oh, she's back. And mm-hmm. the fact that it wasn't her almost doesn't matter. Well, it goes into this economic situation, too, because the disparity of those two dogs' lives is pretty great. And you kind of feel like, look, if, if you can have one dog, maybe you can afford to have another dog. Rick's this dog, dog you love these two dogs. They're both, they're the same they're kind of interchangeable. Dog. So why don't you just step up and now you got two dogs? So, I mean, you know, and then you take it to another level. You say, well, okay, we're going on a three-week vacation. Yeah, I know she's, I know she's your sister, but she's also your twin. And I got confused. <laughs> it was that Chinatown? <laughs> it's when you're sleeping with the twin sisters. And then you're like, we should all be married to each other. Yeah, I mean, that anyway. happens all the time. Uh, <laughs> Does it? But, you know, like, okay, let's follow this, follow this up and, and really alienate our audience here. So the dog, the dog. You're going on vacation for three weeks to New Zealand. Right. You just put your dog down put the dog and then down. get a dog and from the pound back, that looks like that dog. From the pound, and what the fuck does it matter? Well, You're actually saving a dog, right, who would die otherwise. Well, I, I feel like that's an extreme example that a lot of people would have an argument with. But, I mean, the, the point of the, the, the story I had in my act about this pet hamster is that, you know, they cost $20. So when you take the hamster to the vet, what are you, what are you doing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just get another hamster. <laughs> exactly. And uh, not to be compassionless about it, but all animals reach that point in their life where it's like you can spend as much money as you want at the vet, but this animal is just going to live for another, whether it's a month or six months or however long, it's going to be miserable. And yeah. in, the, in the real world, that's, the animal would, would have been done sooner than now. So maybe the, the most merciful thing to do in the big picture of all the animals would be to do exactly what you're saying, to say, look, this, this dog is done and I'm going to immediately go rescue another dog who's at the beginning of its life and is in danger of losing all of those years of its life. Right. I'm going to go get that dog right now. Right. It's sort of a utilitarian approach to pet care. But but and, your idea and elder care. Your idea of just putting the dog to sleep when you go for, on a trip is a tough. I feel like the actual <laughs> the reality of trying that is going to be tough all around on a family. You know, I mean, can you imagine the kid who's used to that exactly. and, then, and then and then goes out to start a life of their own with their new partner? Right. Hey, let's get a dog. Sure. Yeah, and then six months later, they're going to Paris, and it's like, where's the dog? I'm like, I took him in. I, we're, you know, it's on my to-do list before our trip. Exactly. To the to the shelter. To the what do they call it? Where they put dogs? The the dog hotel. What are those called? 
Yeah, to the yeah. Well, the the he had the border, the dog border. No, the board, that's not the, the word. The kennel. The kennel. The kennel. Right. You can't even go to a kennel in that Los Angeles. I mean, I suppose there's places. There's there's the terrible version of this is where your pet goes when you go on vacation. But right. it's like a prison. It's like the pound, yeah, and you can't. No. <laughs> The reality of trying to take a dog there and then come back and how traumatized your dog who's been eating chicken and you're sleeping on your couch is like, what the fuck? You took me to Auschwitz for Kill a week? Kill me next time. <laughs> this was terrible. Why don't so, you just put me down? So the reality now of if you're traveling, because when we got married, Belinda, my wife, had a dog. Uh-huh. And we would have to get it taken care of. And, and, the, and your choices were either the dog hotel where you go there and it's like, and they can watch TV. And then they, they, each of them has a little a tiny dog. It, you know, or yeah. 50. Or 50. <laughs> yeah. or, or for 35, you can take it to this hippie lady's apartment that, you know, you're sure her landlord is happy about. <laughs> it's just the whole floor is covered with dog beds. And there's all these dogs. And she just is in there watching, you know, Turner Classic movies and a pile of dogs for a week. Well, that sounds good to me. That's where we took. That's where we ended up yeah. taking the dog. But then you have yeah. to have interactions with that lady who's yeah. doing your dog a favor and is really nice to your dog. So, so you like that part of her. Yeah. But she's insane. She's yeah. like, I can't. You can't be friends with that person. Why not? But, <sighs> she's just too. I think. Is there such a thing as too much compassion? <laughs> She's too compassionate. Like she can't understand she makes any you of the bad about yourself. Yeah, like so like it's... the dog when she's making the dog things to eat that are way like oh, I only gave her this kind of chicken and you know and she also likes we make homemade popcorn but I put uh, you know duck fat on it you know that kind of thing where you're just like oh my god. <laughs> You're making me look bad to my dog. Yeah, yeah. And then the dog's sort of regretful when you're back with the dog. You can see that look in his eyes like, I miss the... And all the things that make your house better than her apartment in terms of the, you know, the nicer furniture, that's lost on the dog. Dog doesn't give a they shit. They don't care about that. It doesn't smell as interesting. Like, they would love it if you spilled yeah. bacon fat on all your right. furniture. Where's and they the could just fat for me? Yeah, they yeah. could just lick the pillow all the time. Oh, this <laughs> pillow's got a lot of flavor still in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I have to take a piss. Right, do you want to wrap this up, or okay. should we pause it? Well, what do you want to do? It's noon. I mean, I, I feel care. like it, I think it's a good. We can stop now, but then we're just going to talk more. We are going to talk, and it'll be wasted. <laughs> okay. Now, it's like, it's like the thing about podcasting sometimes is it's like I imagine it's like what sex is like for porn stars. It's like, oh, we're, we're just going to fuck, but there are no cameras? It's kind of like a waste. Maybe we should wait and turn on the cameras. Well, I, I went through a thing where I started to feel guilty when I was asking people to come over to do the podcast. Because comedians, everybody wants everybody to do their podcast all the time. And I sort of get that. But, but on the other hand, it's like, hey, look, if you come over and we do the podcast, then we're going to have a conversation that we're going to try and have it be interesting. So it's actually going to be probably a slightly better conversation than we would have if we mm. weren't doing the podcast. But then there are the things that we could, we might want to... How do you pause it? You just push... Is this one the pause right yeah. here? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to pause it. Press it twice, I think. It's working. Yep. Okay. It's back on. Jake Johansson has a fancy toilet, ladies and gentlemen. Do you think Fancy. Well, it's got the seashells and the, the sand. toilet seat. The toilet seat has got some seashells yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. we. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. My wife went for that. I, I, I sort of sent it to her because I thought it was kind of cool, but I thought it was to her going to seem like a joke. 
you sent her like a link or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, well we, the toilet seat's broken. We need to get a new toilet seat. And we had one of those ones that was wood. Right. Which are great until... But they do split off. The, yeah, the finish kind of wears off a yeah. little bit, and then they crack open. Yeah. And then you can really get a pinch. Right, you get a cheekbutt pinch. Yeah, you know? or or oh. other bits. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that happen on my home toilet, but that can happen. Yeah. You can get a little. You that's, can get a little. That's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is well. I've seen those toilet seats with like barbed wire in them. I thought that was a nice look. I'm I'm a fan of the toilet seat that's got stuff in it, but the, not the money one. I just yeah, had to go to the plumbing place tacky. the other day yeah. to get the. You see that hose thing over there by yeah. the front door? That's mm-hmm. the that's the inside hose from the spray nozzle on the kitchen sink. Doing home repairs. You're manly. I had to have the plumber come over to to disconnect it because I couldn't figure out. You know, I was up against the thing of like this. I know what I want to take off, and one end you could just screw it out, and the other end there was a clip, and then you had to pinch a thing. It's like pinch and pull at the same time, and I sort of had a sense of how it was supposed to work, but my experience with fixing things is you don't want to force it, and it wasn't coming apart when I was doing the thing that I thought would work, and so pull harder. Is usually the man instinct, but uh, the sometimes plumbing fixtures can be like so circumcised just, penises, and I you was don't want to. Was waiting, I was waiting to get in there. there. Either a, that's what she said in there somewhere. Well, no, or? I was going back. I was trying to circle back the around pull, to the, to the, to the circumcised penis versus the uncircumcised penis yeah. that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah. So, so I had the plumber come out and disconnect it, and then you got to go to the plumbing. Is he place. circumcised? I don't ask anymore because oh. I, I you know, yeah, it's just, just such a weird off-putting thing to a lot of plumbers. Yeah. Are you licensed yeah. and are you circumcised? Yeah. yeah. Just, just checking. Yeah. You know, it's probably on his Yelp thing. You can just look it up on Yelp. <laughs> Fully licensed, circumcised. <laughs> circumcised plumber circus size so you had the plumber the plumber's actually a kiwi and i met him before my wife and i got married he he i just anyway that's a whole it doesn't really matter but uh, he now doesn't come he just answers the phone and sends jose uh, who's actually named jose right and then jose came and he disconnected the hose and then you have to go to the plumbing place and they look at it and watching those guys work because to me plumbing should be like the thing screws into the other thing and screws into the thing under the bottom. But there's a million things and ways yeah. that things screw into other things and different kinds of threads. And every connector is idiosyncratic. Yeah. And even this model of this particular faucet is going to be next year, there may be a whole different thing. And so there's just this giant Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse where all of the different hoses with all of the different connectors are. And so this guy's looking at it and he's like, it looks like a price fister. And the other guy goes, no, I think it's a, I think it's a Moen. And then, and then they're having these moments of kind of like, they're trying to get in touch with some kind of inner lost tribal knowledge. What's it, what's it called? Where it's, where it's some ingrained society memory that gets passed down. Yeah, collective unconscious kind no, of thing. there's a new word for that. A Jungian, of. so you've got a Jungian uh, plumber. Yeah, yeah, and so they eventually, they kind of, it wasn't either one of those, it was a Delta, and it was an old Delta, and I don't wow. mean by old, it was 10 years old. It's like, okay, that doesn't seem that old. You're really it. steeped in this shit. I couldn't name three plumbing companies Well, this just happened. This, I wasn't just naming them, I'm telling you the story this of what happened at the place. Yeah, oh, this wow. is just two days ago for me. And so 
So then the guy, he says, we don't have it. And I said, well, do you think you can get a part number? And he looks it up because he says it'll take three weeks for us to get it. It'll take three weeks for us to get it. But here it is on, he flips the screen around. He goes, it's here on Amazon, so you can get it. I came home, put the part number into Amazon, ordered the hose, and it was here the next day, like 12 hours later. Yeah. Like, how come it takes the plumbing store three weeks to get it, but I can get it in 12 hours to my house? crazy and it cost fifty dollars so i could have just bought you know for what it cost to have the plumber come out i could have bought a whole new thing but that's beside the speaking of amazon last time we talked you were um looking into setting up an amazon affiliate link i did set it up i did set it up i could in the cash a little bit i think i'm not sure how it's paying me it's uh, or it's maybe it's waiting to get to a certain amount before it sends me a check or a payment or if it's maybe it's downloading it into my Amazon. Yeah, you can get like Amazon credit. credits or they can cut you a check, but you have to pay mm-hmm. extra for that. Yeah, yeah, or they can deposit it right into your bank account. But everybody, check out Jake Johansson's Amazon link. Where yeah. where is it? And this your- is you got to explain it to people, right? Yeah. It's on the front page of JakeThis.com on the right hand side of the but it's an Amazon link, and right. I think it's a I think it's a picture of a GoPro. But you don't you just click on it, it'll take you to Amazon right. and the GoPro. But then you can buy whatever From you want. And if you, you went through that link, them. then you can yeah. then I get a little piece of the cake, right? I pretty, pretty nice piece. It's like eight to seven to ten percent, depending on what kind of thing it is. I don't understand. How can Amazon do it? I think. Or it, why are they well, doing Amazon it? Amazon loses money, right? That's what they do. They just they expand and lose money, and that's their business model. And mm-hmm. essentially, at some point, they're gonna. <laughs> take over the world. Yeah, we wake up and realize that we're owned, it's fully owned late. by them. Yeah. yeah. So they, they're they just like taking over the world, and then at that point, they'll cut us off mm-hmm. and say, okay, the gravy train is over, you podcasters. Right. Um, and we're on our, we're our own head of steam now. we everyone else out of business, so now we're going to raise our prices and make money. I think that's their plan. But by then, you know, I'll, I'll probably be dead. So who cares? Yeah. Well, you can't always take future generations into consideration. Yeah, they're on their own, you know? I mean, if, what do I care? I don't have kids. Well, then... <laughs> <laughs> I'm endearing myself to your audience. No, you're a nice person, but you're heading right down the, the path of... This is, this is exactly... Hey, I went disposable pets. This is what we're going to do. We're, we're all going to die. We're individually mortal. The species is mortal. And really, once my life is finished, I mean, it's good luck. Yeah. And good God luck bless. to y'all. Um, come to the funeral. Mm-hmm. And then you're on your own. Are we going to get reincarnated? Do we get to come back? We get to come back as little tiny bits of other things, right? Just in the biological sense of everything's recycled yeah. and we're all inhaling tiny tidbits of Hitler right now. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Mel Brooks musical. Tiny tidbits of Hitler. Uh, who, who was circumcised? Mm. No, he wasn't. But he only had one ball. <laughs> I did know the part about his ball. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't appreciated as a, an artist, right? He wanted That's to be right. an artist. He got kicked out of art school. He didn't get accepted into the art school that he wanted to go to. You think Donald Trump has a small penis? I think he does. Well, I feel like when you... I, and this is the question, is how rich is he? But we can only... We can't go by any of the numbers that we've got. We can just right. go by the fact that he's had three fairly attractive wives who've been younger than him. So he must have... The reality is he has enough money... To accomplish that, because he's not getting those women interested in him based on his personality, as far as I've seen. I mean, yeah. it doesn't seem like a guy who I want to be 
But I mean, I'm not. A, so you're saying you wouldn't fuck Trump? Is that, is well, that what we're talking about here? It's, I feel like I got to. How much money are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> I saw this guy in the airport. Where was it? I was flying. I think it was in LAX, actually. And he had a t shirt on that said, I'm not gay, but $20 is $20. <laughs> and I actually took his picture and, and chatted with him for a while. I said, Are you gay? He's like, No, no. And, it's, and he said, Honestly, I didn't even realize I was wearing the shirt until people started laughing. You know, it was my last clean T-shirt, and a friend gave it to me, and I, I like, he was Australian. And he's like, yeah, people seem to really be uh, amused by this. My last clean T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a good idea to go through your closet and find out which one is your last clean T-shirt <laughs> and maybe take that one to the Goodwill. Yeah. Well, or not. I have a T-shirt that I sometimes wear that I don't realize, because I don't pay attention. I get up and put on a shirt and leave, you know? I mean, I don't... You're not even making a little bit of a decision about this is what I'm going to do today no. and this is the shirt I want to do it in? I mean, you know, if I'm going to a party or something, but most... I Like, I go for weeks without looking in the mirror. I, I'm completely oblivious. You have to try not to look in the mirror, though. There's mirrors everywhere. Your hair looks great for not having looked in the mirror. I mean, it's... it's I haven't used shampoo in 20 years. I'm done with shampoo, too. That's interesting. It, we have joke. that in common. It is a joke. And soap. I don't use soap. I don't stink. I mean, whatever. Do I, I use a little bit take? of soap. Because we're <laughs> well, friends. You would tell me, right? I was in for the hug earlier, but now I'm trying to <laughs> flash back. You know, it was over quick enough. I mean, you don't smell bad enough that during the hug that we had when we first got here, I, I noticed. Like, there's no like, residue. Oh, Chris You're not noticing the, a, a yeah. lingering... Uh, no. Yeah, that's good. Do you use laundry detergent? Uh, yeah. 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 Well, we, you have to. Yeah, we use, uh, you know, non-perfume, you know, clear... Echo bullshit detergent. It's, it's interesting because at Costco, where I buy my laundry detergent, they give you the choice. You can either have the eco-friendly detergent, which is, you know, when it goes into the ground, it dissipates its phosphates or whatever. It doesn't yeah, have that. Right. Or you can have the unscented, but you can't get both. So, so in other words, in so other it's words, scented. It's ecological. Eco-fri- it's eco-friendly, but it leaves the clothes smelling lavendery or whatever. Uh, and then the other one that doesn't have scent in it—that's not eco-friendly. So it's kind of a Hobson's choice, isn't it? Well, and I had a, it was a big conversation with my wife about the you got the wrong detergent. And I said, well, these, these, this is the choice they have. Yeah. And so uh, it turns out I did get the right detergent. Which one you got? Eco-friendly, the echo. eco-friendly with a little bit. She of smell. prefers a little lavender. Uh, yeah. She'd like no smell. She yeah, like no well, smell. but me too. Me too. I'm all about the no smell. This is this is really boring, though. We should we you should think not so? talk yeah. about well, laundry detergent. Well, I feel detergent. like, let's talk about smells. Um, do you, have you ever gone through a life, a period in your life where you did cologne? No. Really? Because we're the same age. And I, there wasn't that period, you didn't have that period in your 20s where everybody was putting on... Like, maybe not cologne, no. but like aftershavey kind of... No, but see, I skipped my 20s. I was, I was out backpacking in Asia for most of my 20s right. and early 30s. So I, like, I missed... There are big swaths of American popular culture, like, you know, Caddyshack, never saw it. You know, you know there are all these movies that everybody saw and, and mm-hmm. music everybody was into and... You know, cologne and cocaine and like things that were of that period that I just wasn't here. Cocaine is back. 
Well, I heard this song. Okay, I'm in L.A. I'm driving around, as one does in L.A., and I'm listening mm-hmm. to the radio. I never listen to the radio at home, right? I do now because I have a daughter. So I we... listen to NPR, but mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm scanning the radio, so I'm hearing classic hits. Oh, and... I happen to see your tweet about this, right? Oh, the, I, can't I can't feel, feel my, my face, face when, when I'm, I'm with, with you. you. Right, yeah. so people wrote back because I was confused. Like, what the fuck is that song about? It's and some co- people say it's about cocaine. It's yeah. a song written to cocaine. That's weird. It is weird because it's sort of catchy, but then when you find out what it's about, it's like, well, this song is creepy and this person is creepy. Yeah, but I like it. But I like it. Really? <laughs> yeah, mm. can't help it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but we're sorry. Smell. I I got together with a friend of mine uh, a couple of weeks ago, old friend, and uh, we were traveling a little bit in southern Spain, and he. Stinks so bad that I, I, as a friend, I I told him, like, dude, you reek. Like, you have to, I will not spend another hour in the car with you if you don't take a shower. And we actually had a a bit of a showdown at breakfast. So I was like, no, I'm not kidding. He was like, I don't smell? Or he He was like, like, oh, come on, relax. It doesn't matter. And I was like, it does matter. It does matter, man. There's a cloud of stench around you, you know? And it's a thing that has. It's a part of his personality that was always there, which used to be charming uh, because it was a minor thing, you know, where he was just like a devil may care sort of guy. And but now it's expanded to this sense of like the world needs to just accept me as I am, including my incredibly stinky feet and the fact that I want to smoke wherever I want to smoke and it's but, everyone else's problem. But doesn't he... It's like, haven't you... Does he love it when he's around other smelly people? I don't think he smells them because he smokes constantly. And he stinks so bad himself, I don't think... Oh, his smeller he, is broken. He's yeah. broken his own smeller. Right. But he knows he stinks. I mean, other people tell him that. But he doesn't give a shit. Other people have said, take, oh, you've got to take a shower? And oh, he yeah. just doesn't... He's like, yeah, it's, yeah. You, know, you need to relax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like that. So I can't be with that. I can't. Yeah, you can't. No. Was it just body odor? Or was there ass mixed in? Because that's the combo. Well, the it's whole hard to tell thing. the difference once it all gets intermingled. Yeah, yeah. And that's another. Whole, he's got digestive issues as well. And I, I mean, I don't want to, you know, bad mouth him. He's he a sounds friend. like a great friend. He's a really interesting guy, and, and uh, you know, he, we've been friends for a long time. But you know, there is a. I, we we got into this thing, and, and it was like uh, at one point he said something um, like we were talking about political correctness in America and how everybody's so easily offended, and you know, and he said, "Yeah, that's like the whole smoking thing." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Yeah, like, yeah, you can't smoke in schools, you can't smoke in the bar, you can't smoke in the train, and it's all bullshit." And I was like, "Well, wait a minute, that's not bullshit." That's not bullshit. I don't want to breathe your fucking smoke, you know? Yeah, I don't either. He's like, wow, you know. (laughs) So it's just this, it was this quality when he was younger that, as I say, was sort of charming because he was like, you know, uh, shameless and and like, yeah, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. I am what I am. And, you know, which is good in a limited, you know, a dollop of that works. But it has spread in his personality to a point where he's kind of obnoxious. Now he's like a super mad, cranky old guy. Who stinks. Who smells And and wants you to just shut up and deal with it. What's the great thing about him? 
Uh, <laughs> well, I've known him I mean, for 30 gotta, years. Yeah, but there's got to be some. There's got to be. And then he always gives you $20 when you see him. <laughs> Uh, no, he's he's funny and he's sweet and he's kind and he's, you know. <laughs> he makes his own ice cream. <laughs> it's weird to eat his ice cream though because he smells terrible. New, <laughs> but <laughs> have you heard about this ice cream they're making out of like uh, human milk? <laughs> Lactating? No. Isn't it no. weird? I mean, disgust oh is a really weird thing. Since we're talking about, I'm not disgusted by it. By that. We, by what? By, by human, human, milk, milk ice human milk ice cream. So, it's just as a weird thing. I remember when our daughter was little. Yeah. You know, and then a thing that a thing that you do when you're nursing a kid is you'll you'll have to milk yourself. Right. You know, women will, or or they they have a pump, right. a breast pump that right. will take some of the milk off, right. so that then you have it for the right. kid later. So my dad one time asked me if if I had ever tasted breast milk. Right. And I said, yeah. And then he said, uh, "You mean in the fridge?" And I was like, "Do you, what? Do you want to know the answer to this question? <laughs> like, you don't ask me the qu- no. That's not how I tasted it. All right now, what, All right. <laughs> Dad? Yeah, yeah. Well, that great scene at the end of uh, the, uh, the book was the Grapes of Wrath." Remember that? I don't remember it. Grapes of Wrath. Uh, who wrote the Grapes of Wrath? The guy who lived in Cannery Row and John Steinbeck. John Steinbeck, right? Great book about social change mm-hmm. and the depression and all that. The final scene is a woman breastfeeding an old man. Is it in the movie? I don't. I didn't see the movie, but yeah. it's, I'm a book guy. You know, I get it. Do I look right? like a guy who skips the book to watch the movie? Am I that guy? Hell no. I didn't know that you were the guy who would, because he read the famous book that the iconic movie was made, uh, 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 then you wouldn't see the movie. Like, fuck it, I don't need to see the movie. But Well, I would see. It was, a, it was Jimmy okay. Stewart or something. Who's got time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have time. Yeah, anyway, there's, time. there's breast milk ice cream now. Breast milk ice cream, breast milk cheese. And is it for babies? I no. Mean, who's it for? It's for Who us. Wants that? For guys like that you and we me. Want, that, you want some of that? Hey, what do you say? I got the game on. You want to come over? <laughs> Have a little breast milk and ice some cream. some cheese. Triscuits and breast milk cheese. If you don't tell people ahead of time. You like that cheese? <laughs> <laughs> well, but it is funny, right? That, that like, like cause my it wife loves... It would be super loves- funny if it had a picture of the lady on the... <laughs> On the garden. That's right, and you can get a movie. You uh, can you can like you know download the app of her expressing the milk. Expressing your cheese. That's a good word. Expressing the milk. Um, squirting. I should have squirt, just said squirting. Just squirting. Uh, uh, Cassie likes goat milk, mm-hmm. so we always, she always when I go to the store, I always have to get her goat milk. And there's a picture of a goat on the thing. I've never seen the goat milk. Oh, I've it's had goat whole food. Like, I'm gonna get some goat milk. There's goat milk everywhere, and. You know, and she, she's, apparently it's easier to digest, and it, I don't know what. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm disgusted by it. But here, I just poured your cow milk, I assume that's cow milk, yeah, into cow milk. my coffee without a second thought. Why is one disgusting? It's coming out of the udder of a goat or the udder of a you're cow. Disgust, you're not disgusted because of the flavor. You're disgusted no, because it's coming out of the No, the idea, the concept. It freaks me out. Or, you know, breast milk. Like, that's the most natural food for a human being to, to digest. And yet, it's like, oh, yeah, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. What, how, it's so fucked up how culture shapes our perceptions of things in ways that, you know, we have very little control over. 
Yeah, well, it's it, we've got these. Well, the, the preconceived notion, your your initial gut reaction to it is, yeah, it comes from some place. It's coming from some place that's not you. Well, and I, th- you know, I, like like well, there's, there's definitely does right, but right. But there's definitely cultures where it's or like, even if it does yeah. come from you. Like right now, you're swallowing saliva, but spit that out into a glass and then drink it. That's fucking disgusting. Well, why? It was in my mouth a second ago. And it's now it's good. disgusting. It's, you know what I've found about my saliva, Chris? <laughs> or should I say Dr. Chris? <laughs> is when I spit it into a cup, it loses, and I drink it later. It loses something. It's not as good. It goes it's flat. It's not as good. But now, when I'm just <laughs> drinking it while I'm talking to you, when I'm just like letting the saliva just go down my it's throat, fresh. I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm loving it. I'm savoring it. I mean, think about it. Mucus. It's in your body. It's like, great. The minute it's outside of your body, suddenly it's the grossest thing in the world. Right. If you sneezed a big one into your hand and then just ate it. I have a friend who does that. Oh, man. He'll like, he picks his nose and eats it. Yeah. Oh, God. This is the kind of comedian conversations. You, so after the comedy show, you're often sitting around with the other comedians and some staff at the comedy club yeah. having a conversation about something. So one time in one of those conversations, one of the guys was sharing that uh, what he liked to do was... <laughs> I can't even say it. And this is so... We can say whatever we want. Look, if you're in this far into the podcast... Yeah, you're on um, your own. All right, let's, let's have, like, we should have a, you know... Trigger warning. Turn it off now. Trigger alert. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not two girls with a cup. Bad. <laughs> but he would masturbate and then eat it. Yeah, my buddy does that. The, the buddy who eats his snot. Oh, my God. And he's like... You know, and we—I've—I've I've had this conversation, and it's like, ah. And he's like, dude, like, it came out of my body. Like, what? You know, what? Yeah, what is? What's the issue here? Right. And it's not poop. You wouldn't eat poop. He's not eating poop. Not that I know of. Sure. But we've already talked this about giving the, a, giving a baby a little. But this bit isn't of poop. the this isn't the same guy who needs a shower. No, no. Yeah. But it's it's occurring to me that I've got some pretty gross friends. But I want to yeah. see those guys in some kind of, in this conversation. Well, they know each other. Uh-huh. I mean, they yeah. So, mm-hmm. but see the the whole eating your own snot and your own cum and all that. That I mean, like, all right, whatever. That's your thing. That doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. But like, you stink. That affects me. So I have a right. Right. My, hey, my live and let live. I'm just here. saying it seems weird to me. Yeah, but if that's what you want to do, then go for it. Although, if you knew that somebody was going to sneeze into their hand and then lick it off, you would be like, <clears throat> I don't think we can have him over tonight because <laughs> the boss is coming over. <laughs> the boss. You know, <laughs> the boss. The boss. That's such a 50s idea of a, of a thing. My boss. My boss is coming. Because, I mean, we obviously are in a world where we... I have bosses, but they're not... It's a different boss every week. Yeah, so it's not really a boss because you could just yeah. say fuck off. But a lot of people do have bosses. Well, I tweeted about this recently, like how how weird it is to hear people refer to their boss. It, it sound it's like I, I always see like a, a far side you know comic or something with dogs saying, "Oh, have you met my owner?" You know, like my boss. Like what a weird it thing seems, to it say. It almost seems like wrong. It almost seems well, it, like it's, like it's we're, people, we're not slaves. That's what I'm saying. Boss. You're, my not boss. The, you're not yeah. the boss of me. But this is right. now we're starting to talk like millennials. You know, you're yeah. not my boss. What do you mean I have to be here at four o'clock? That's when work starts. Right. I'm not. I I, I was late. Well, and also like I haven't. I, I was just talking this morning with uh, my friend on the way to the airport. I haven't had a job where like I had an alarm clock. That I had to get up every morning and go to work since the 80s. 
Yeah, me neither. I, but but I do have to get up routinely to, to, to make a flight or, or to or go whatever. do yeah. a media thing right. on, on right. the radio. Have you ever radio. taken a urine test to get a job? No. Nope. And that's like a common part of American life now. Mm. For people who have jobs, they have to pee in a cup. Yeah, well, to, to just have to think about, like, like, should I smoke this or drink this or eat this because someone else might find out if I did it? It's like, you know... Of course, I'm scared of my wife, but um, yeah, you know, I, no, I don't. I, I can't imagine all of that kind of invasion into your privacy. Yeah. Like, what? What is? If, if it doesn't affect what I'm doing at work, then right. what? Do you, what? How is it your business? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But in America, that 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 argument's over. Apparently, you know, there are lots of jobs you can't get if you don't pee in the cup. Yeah. Huh. Strange country, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to get nicer, though. We're going to get bathrooms. We're going to get the everybody bathroom. You think we'll solve that? Yeah. Whatever happened with Terry Schiavo? Remember her? That was a big to-do there for a while. That was she was wanted to get unplugged, right? Or yeah. They, her husband wanted to unplug right. her. I think she did eventually. And like, you know, Bush flew in. He canceled an overseas trip to go to Florida to keep them from unplugging her. Yeah, I don't. I, I well, if she's gone. I do know that, yeah. but I don't remember the exact outcome of that. But that, but that's another thing that we're just so hung up on worrying about things that are don't need to be our business. Yeah. You know? Well, and as you say, a lot of it is just a concocted diversions from the real issues, generally brought up by the right. You know, to to stop conversation about real things. That that's the reality. That's the reality of it. I mean, I'm sure that there's people out there who I know that there's people out there who believe that abortion should be illegal but when these politicians say it what they're doing is just trying to get you to if you're one of those people to vote for them because they are going to Maybe try and make that happen, but they're pretty sure that's not going to happen. happen. It's because not if happen. they did make it happen, they wouldn't have that tool anymore to get people excited. So, so they so they get you to vote for them right. because they they are they're anti it gets you abortion, the and then you'll Carl vote for Rose them. Bullshit. And then meanwhile, with with their other hand or their foot, they're standing on your neck, right? You know, and economically, and in your pocket. Well, this is all Carl Rove. You know, this this idea of like having all these. Uh, Ballot initiatives to you know make marriage defensive marriage between a man and a woman and outlaw right, right. this and that that gets the conservatives to the polls. So it and increases. While, hey, the, while you're at it, why don't you vote, vote for, for this, this guy. guy? Exactly. And meanwhile, Karl Rove, I'm ninety percent convinced is a closeted homosexual. Uh, there was some real interesting stuff going on in the Bush administration. You may remember there was a guy in the press conferences who turned out to be a gay escort. Who was pretending to be a reporter. To, pretending yeah. to be a reporter. And he got, like, White House press passes, which mm-hmm. is not like, you know, you don't go down to your corner ATM and get a White House press pass. No, you have to go to gay bars. They yeah. sell them in gay bars. <laughs> they sell them in the bathroom, in the, in the <laughs> yeah, bear bar. Like, do you want a exactly. condom or a White House press pass? <laughs> So, I mean, and Carl Rowe's father was, was a famous, uh, he was on a cover of a gay uh, piercing magazine. Did you know that? <laughs> I don't see how piercings can be gay. Well, penis, penis piercing. Right, but straight guys, there's not a, look. He was gay. He was avowedly yeah, okay, gay. I see, right. And okay. he was on the cover of a penis pierce, a genital piercing magazine. Yeah. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, go for it. But you'd think a person who had that kind of close experience with that 
kind of person in their life would be a little bit more open-minded or, or at least a less vigorously trying to manipulate people with these closed-minded right. ideas. Right. Yeah. I mean, as, as opposed to kind of, the, you know, the way politics work is, oh, we got the dirt on Karl Rove, look at his. Right. It's like, I don't care that his dad was that guy. Right. You'd think it would have made him nicer. Like, right. that's that's the real statement about Karl Rove. It's right. like, you can have a dad right. who, who's who's this kind of alternate lifestyle person which means that you're not you're not hating on some foreign person. And he actually had a good relationship with you're his dad. You're hating on your dad. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Mm. There's something real weirdly Freudian going on there. And then Cheney with his gay daughter. Mm-hmm. Like how can you be such an asshole if your daughter Reagan, his gay son. You know like come on. And and like AIDS, he doesn't mention AIDS for 5 years and tens of thousands of people are dying. It's insane. It's insane. Things are going to be different when Trump's in charge. Yeah, things will be better, right? It's, it's going to be weird. I mean, just as a, a, from from the standpoint of you know, like, look, I don't want aliens to come and take try and take over the planet, and I don't want the zombie apocalypse to happen, and I don't want us to poison our, our environment so that we're living in some kind of dystopic future, but. You know, it's like that Chinese curse, right? May you live in interesting times. If Donald Trump gets elected, we're going to be living in some interesting times. We already are. I mean, you think about, you know, people say, oh, you know, history repeats itself. And, you know, everyone always thinks the end is near. But nobody's ever, like, scientists haven't been saying the end is near Mm -hmm. ever before. You know, I mean, there's the the doomsday clock, but that was about nuclear Armageddon. There was... There wasn't like, you know, like, oh, sorry, you know, all the coral reefs in the world are going to be gone in 10 years, you know? Holy fuck, that's a big deal. Well, and, and I, do, I, I, I do now finally hear people starting to say the thing about, like, it's not ruin the planet. It's make it so that we can't live here anymore. It's like we can ruin the planet as a place where human beings are able to survive. Right. We can make it, we can fuck ourselves right out of business. What is it with pandas? Well, Belinda, my wife, has this degree from UCLA in, in environmentalism. And one of the classes she took, they were talking about pandas. And pandas, one of her professors just hated. She said, the pandas are the stupidest. Of course, we love them because they're cute. But, but they're just ill-adopted. Like, they, they were a, a bear. They were like this carnivorous animal that's adapted now to eat this plant. Bamboo. That, bamboo, which is not an easy plant to eat with the leaves. So their back teeth have turned into these grinding things. They've got to eat so much of it to survive that a huge part of their day is doing that. And then when their babies are born, they're like a, they're, they're like a stick of butter that comes out that then has to have this kind of con- like it's hard the mortality rate of baby pandas because they're so tiny and to get out and uh, latch on they get rolled over on and squished all the time and her professor was like pandas don't deserve I mean, they don't to like be to fuck either around. i mean they're yeah, always like, trying to convince them to fuck like if they want to fuck like let them die see out. you later the pandas maybe they know something we don't know right maybe the pandas are just like we're done yeah it's panda it time seem, is over seem, <laughs> it does sort of seem like the end of the line like who gives a fuck like and also cute what raccoons are cute let's just take care of raccoons if it's all about the eye patch like, fuck pandas I, I don't i don't get it <laughs> yeah fuck pandas yeah Fuck them. You're with me on that. All yeah. Right. Right, well, I feel like I'm more fuck polar bears than fuck tigers because they, you know, pandas I don't feel like would have a beef with us. Like if you came across a panda somewhere, you'd yeah. have to go to some pretty probably 
drastic uh, extremes to get it to attack you. Right. Like you'd have to go over and screw with it. But I wonder if Rogue is panda bear hunting. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, comes I'm back positive, with a stuffed panda head. I'm positive that panda hunting is illegal. <laughs> but if anybody could find the place where it's like these, they're these uh, feral pandas. They've gotten loose. They're an invasive species, and the pandas are destroying them. <laughs> well, that'd be great. We have to call the panda. We're shooting them from helicopters. <laughs> Pretty easy to spot. Uh, but see, I respect tigers and polar bears because you gotta they're, respect them. they're they're real animals. They're there gangsta. A, I saw the story on NPR the other day, or heard of the story on NPR the other day, where they, there was guys who are out tagging. They're putting radio collars on tigers, and they're out checking one of the camera. They've got these yeah, camera cameras traps. to see if they can figure out where they're, they're in movement and they've got so they're checking the camera trap and they got to make a ring around the guy who's looking at the camera and everybody else is watching out for tigers and there's another guy it's like alien he's got the he's got the beep 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 screen of like there's a tiger with a radio collar and he's right fucking over there and it comes out of the it comes out of the jungle and attacks one of the tiger protection people while they're checking the trap to maintain this wow. secure habit. Yeah, tigers are just like, I don't give a fuck what you're doing. Where was that? You're just food to me. In India? I think it was in India, yeah. Yeah, there's swamp tigers. It was, that, it was probably one of the swamp tigers. <laughs> Could be. No, seriously, they're, <laughs> they're the like worst. They're, made up. they're amphibious tigers? <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're in the... They're in, um, I can't remember the name of the swamp area, but it's like near Calcutta and Bangladesh where the, the mm-hmm. marshlands are. And they swim. And like these guys will be out there fishing and the tigers will come up and hit the flip side the of the boat, flip them out and then munch them. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're nasty Bengali tigers. tigers. Yeah. Well, that's why we, that's, that's what originally got us started killing tigers. <laughs> it's like tigers are killing, killing us. us. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, we don't live in a place where when you go outside, something can kill you anymore, you know? Get a spider bite on your butt when you, you know, use the outhouse. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever had? You've never been attacked by an animal. No. I tried to get a possum. I told you the story about the possum. Oh, yeah. So I was trying to get it out. And it gave me a real growl. But uh, it wasn't an attack. It was more of a, that was more of a defensive yeah. thing, the possum. I didn't realize I was attacking the possum until the possum was like, you fucking attack me, Back off. <laughs> Funny guy. Uh, yeah. I got stung by a scorpion. That was probably my, my brush with... Uh, Animal death, but can scorpions kill kill you? Yeah, some of them can. And I, I talked to a guy who got stung by a brown recluse, and that is some pretty nasty That's really stuff. Bad. You know, but like it crazy. It kills the, the what do they call it? Necrotic. Yeah. It just kills the area around where you get bit. Yeah, and and uh, he, it happened to be on his upper thigh, so it was kind of close to his business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not good. Yeah, no snakes. Uh, never been bit by a snake. Uh, I've been stalked by, uh, well, stalked. I was like close to grizzly bears. Mm. Uh, I wasn't. I don't know that they were after me, but yeah. When we were just in the Dominican Republic, we went to one of the activities outside the resort. Was you go to this place and it was called Floating Paradise. That's where the picture I took came mm. from. On, that's on my Facebook. Um, and they take you out on a boat and you sit on this kind of floating area where you, they've got chairs and then you can get a snorkel mask and snorkel in this they've got this net pen where they've got three um some kind of sharks in there but they're the they're they're the 
nice then they're fed and they're not going to attack you but it's about six eight feet of water at its tidal so the water's going up and down so you're you can swim over the top of these sharks and at one minute you're eight feet over them and then all at once the 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 tide changes and now you're six Mm. feet over them so you so you're on the surface of the water getting closer and further away from them and they were in the corner of the the thing and so they said you can just don't don't touch them but you can go over and and look at them. So I'm getting above them, and, and the, they're in the corner, facing into the corner, and I'm coming over the top of them, and I'm getting closer. And there's this moment where you realize that you've been told that they're safe, but you're six feet away from them, and you're 30 yards away from where you can get out of the water. And you realize if they decide they want to move, they have to come up off the bottom to turn and go back the other way because they're penned in, the three of them. Mm-hmm. And so one of them gets up to leave... And it gets closer to me, and I realize I'm, this thing owns me. It's not up to me whether I live in this situation. If that shark decides he just wants to have a go, right. it's over. Right. And it was a real, you know, it, it was a, a kind of a visceral realization more than any kind of an intellectual thing. It was like, I'm the prey. Oh, I'm the prey. Yeah. That, that's a weird feeling to have that we don't have you know you don't have that in the world you sort of feel like i'm just going to walk and get the paper i'm going to do this but just to you realize could, like, that- take the volvo down to south central yeah <laughs> you watch that movie training day there's moments in that movie training day where it's just like oh yeah 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 i just read in the paper yesterday a guy in la here got robbed and uh in a park or something, and then the the thief got in his car and drove away, and the guy got in his car and followed him. The guy drove into a an alley. He followed him into the alley. The thief got out of his car, walked up, and shot him. It's like you think you're the predator. You think, and he and the guy was on the phone with the police. He's like, I'm following him. The guy who robbed me, uh, you know, I'm here. And, da, da, da. and the police are like, sir, you know, don't follow him. We'll take care of it. He's like, no, no, I got him. Just turn it in here. And the guy knew he was following him and just popped him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right here. And this is like two nights ago. In we had a story at my kid's school. There were some cell phones were going missing from the upper grades, like the seventh and eighth graders. And it's our school. And then there's another school that shares the same campus and, you know, and Anyway, it was it was a weird situation. This they couldn't figure out what was going on with these phones, and then one of them was an iPhone. And one of the dads realized, oh, we can find my iPhone. We can find out where it is. So he just gets one of the other dads from our school, and they drive over to Inglewood, and they're like, it's inside of this building. I can see it on the screen. That's where that's where my phone is. And they're looking through the window, and they can see their phone. And they knock on the door and have a conversation. There's a bunch of phones in there. And they have a conversation with the person at the door who says it's not there. And then they got to say, no, it's right there. And, and it worked out that they got the phone back and they got out of there. But when this guy's telling me the story, I was like, what the hell are you thinking? Do you think you're, you're magic? Exactly. This is, you, 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 you're trying to just, hey, the right thing to do would be to give me back my phone to, to people who are stealing phones. Yeah. And, you know, this, these are criminals. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy world, man. But there is something invigorating about being prey. You know, and and humans are one of the few animals that can go either way, right? Primates in general can go either way, Mm. you know, predator or prey. I read a fascinating account of uh, 
It was one of these early British, like Livingston, you know, in Africa. One of these mm-hmm. guys that explored Africa. Uh, he was attacked by a lion, and he survived it. And he wrote about the experience of having this lion leapt, like was hiding above, and the guy was walking along, and this, suddenly this lion leapt on him and grabbed him by the head. Oh, I think that might be Speaks. Richard could, Burton could speaks be, the guy. Could be. Yeah. Oh, Richard Burton was a really interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because he it was one of those guys. I think Richard Burton was the guy who they the land spear. and he's got the spear right through his through his, through his jaw. Cheek. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Well, I, let's go off with Burton because that's more interesting. Richard Burton was I don't know if you not know the this. actor Richard Burton. This no, is a, this, this is an he was a linguist. He was an Irish linguist. He spoke twenty seven languages and ex- lived all over the world. Uh, was posted to India by the he was in the British Foreign Service or something in what the eight, late eighteen hundreds mid eighteen hundreds, but he was he spoke Arabic so well that he dressed up as an Arab and went to Mecca. He was the first outsider oh, really? to ever go to Mecca. Imagine if he'd been found out. He was he was so amazing. He was fascinated by sexuality. He was bisexual and he found you know sexuality was one of the most interesting thing, parts of culture for him so he was i think the first to translate the kama sutra into a western language wow i didn't know that about him yeah and now here's the tragedy i mean he studied sexuality all over the world wherever he was in north africa india and everything and when he died his wife burned his papers all his papers did were she burned. did he tell her to do that no huh. no she was trying to protect his, you know. She was uptight, Victorian. Oh, and she woman. was. She thought, oh, I'm doing him a favor by right. burning all this right. sex stuff about him. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I first kind of became aware of him or learned about him when I watched this movie, Mountains of the Moon. Beautiful movie. Yeah. Him and Speaks trying to yeah. find Livingston, weren't yeah. they? They're tra- yeah. the source of the Nile. The source of the that. Nile, yeah. and the guy who plays speaks in that is the guy who plays Sir Jorah Marmot in Game of Thrones, the guy who's now got this zombie disease on his oh, arm with the Khaleesi. Right, right. That and guy. the guy who played Burton was sort of a swarthy, dark, yeah, dark-haired... Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure where he is, I, uh, but I had recently watched that movie again, and then I recognized that guy. I'd also right. seen that guy, that the guy. It was a long time ago. That's like 25 yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, they're in there. He's in his yeah. 20s at that time, and now yeah. he'd be in his 50s or yeah. 60 years old. And have you ever seen a movie called Breaker Morant? Yeah, yeah. I, that's, I can't remember Bruce that one enough. Barrisford. Submarine. No, no, it's. Is it um, submarine? No, it's, it's in, it takes place in the Boer War in South okay. Africa on the. The uh, the grasslands uh, of South Africa. It's a beautiful movie, and I think the actor who played Burton plays one of the oh, characters in that. In that. That's the, they came out about the same time. Yeah, that's an interesting film. Uh, highly recommended for anyone who wants to know something about the Boer War and and South Africa. Really interesting. The submarine movie Das Boot is that what? Yeah, you're Das Boot. Of? Yeah, maybe that's, that's it. Because those movie. are kind of all of a, of a few year. Yeah, it's all sort of. When was that? Mid eighties or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I know we're kind of running down. I, you know, what I wanted to ask you about or talk to you about is uh, in Australia. You know, you when you visit a place or when I visit a place, I like to read about it. And my wife is from New Zealand, so I thought I knew a little bit about Australia because when you go to New Zealand, that people talk about Australia. It's nearby. Right. I mean, it's but but. 
the Aboriginal people, the, the native Australians, oh my God, I didn't realize that, uh, that they'd been there for something like 50, 60,000 years yeah. undisturbed yeah. Um, before the white people showed up 200 years ago. Right. And 50,000, 60,000 years doing just their thing, getting along with each other. And, and the idea that we've never asked the question like, hey, what secrets do you think those people know about getting along, surviving? Because there was hundreds of tribes that yeah. they all had to get along with each other and interact and trade and, and manage the land and eat yeah. and be happy. And, and, and so in reading about, about the Aboriginal culture, it's hard to find out their traditional wisdom now because they've been so exploited that they're just like, fuck, we're not just going to tell you our secrets now that you're asking our secrets after you've been trying to imprison us and make us speak English and do all this other and stuff. hunting us down. You know, there's a yeah, just killing them. Just yeah, killing just them like them. as if they were varmints or yeah. something. Yeah. But uh, just reading about, reading about uh, the way... Their ways of interacting, and this, there was someone who had written uh, about the Aboriginal culture and saying, you know, if you're just judging by who's got pants and guns, they seem primitive. But you know, to the outsider. But if you're judging about how people interact and kind of experience being a person and living on the planet, just there's this. I can't remember the Aboriginal word for it, but it, but it, but but, but, but it basically means patient listening. That that, there, that that there's this meditative ethos of, of just like really trying to consider what's going on and what's the reality and what's the next thing to happen and it and it's such a slow thing that it's a, that it's they've, they've 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 been exploited and there's some kind of underlying knowledge that they have that I think could be helpful to us as modern people. When I was I read Bill Bryson's book about. Australia, which is a great, funny book in a sunburnt country, mm. but he does talk about their uninterrupted being there for fifty thousand years, and, yeah. and the analogy he said it would be like if you could go to the caves in France, Lascaux, yeah, and you could look at those cave paintings. Where I've been, by the way, in, yeah, in the actual. Cave. Oh, because yeah. you can't just get in there. Right? Yeah, I had an invitation from the French government. Oh, I want to hear about that. Yeah. But his yeah. his thing was it would be as if you could stand next to someone. Who was a descendant of the people who painted those paintings and had and had a cultural memory? Like you could hear a story about what that painting meant. Yeah, although the Lascaux paintings are only about twenty-five thousand years old, so you're talking about double. Oh, yeah, yeah, double that. Yeah, there's a beautiful book about that Australian Aboriginal culture. It's called The Songlines. You ever heard of that? I I just yeah I read it before I went down there, yeah. but it's not as it's not like as it? beautiful as people make it out. To really, be. I think when you revisit that book, huh. it's, he's going down to find out their secrets. And Bruce Chatwin. Bruce Chatwin. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there is a funny anecdote where he's out and he meets some Aboriginal people and they want to go hunting, and so they go out and they basically they're trying to hit a car with a hit a kangaroo with a car. That's their hunting kangaroo. <laughs> right. You know, it's pretty. It's 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 sort of a. I, yeah. Anyway. Mm. Yeah, I haven't read it since it came out, which I think was the eighties. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a copy, and so I I did read that before huh. I went down. I remember one thing from that book that stuck with me was he was talking. He's talking about travel and how how deeply ingrained in us the movement is. And I remember there's something about 
you know, the reason that when a baby's crying, you pick it up and sort of jiggle it around. Mm -hmm. The reason that's soothing to a baby is that babies evolved on their mother's backs as they walk. Mm -hmm. And so there's this rhythmic movement that calms babies. And I can remember as a little kid, like the deepest sleeps of my life were in the back of a station wagon when we were driving somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and well, just or a train movement. if you ever travel on a train. Trains are great because it's, yeah. it's it's rhythm. It's not the airplane. It's moving, but it's sort of jostly bumping. Yeah. The train is more no, than yeah. You can feel the movement, and there's something. I don't know. There's something safe about being in motion. You know, like I've got this idea of of getting a van and living in my van part of the time like a I, nice van i have that same fantasy idea i'll often be either looking at tiny houses online that, that they yeah. build on those trailers yeah or tricked out to you know those dodge sprinter vans or yeah exactly I've got a little a ups truck yeah. idea that i've but but yeah, yeah. To, to get your possessions down <clears throat> to where you could just have that just the stuff that would fit in there right and to travel around yeah and, well i've got this idea to get a, a sprinter van Deck it out and um, <clears throat> have a civilized to death logo on one side and tangentially speaking on the other. And then when this book comes out, do a national podcast book tour mm-hmm. and just drive across the country and like interview interesting people as I go along and have events at universities, promote the book, do the podcast, and just sort of you know like a, a Ken Kesey on the road kind. Yeah, of thing. yeah, I love it, and 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 I feel like. I feel like that's going to be one of the next things that you start doing is some kind of public event that's tied either to the podcast or or where you're telling some stories or they're coming to watch you do a podcast and then you tell some of your own stories. Yeah, and I'm not sure how to book. do that, you know? I mean, if it were someone like you who who is famous and brings a crowd and people want to see you in action and whatever. You probably already do have that. You know, Tim Ferriss now is doing live Live, yeah. Well, I've been on other people's, like Duncan, and and I have done live podcasts in San Francisco and Portland, and they're both sold out, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think, but he's a comic, you know. So it's like I I feel like I I I don't. I think the part that you're struggling with is the is the promotion and the the production of like where's it going to be and how am I going to get people to show up? And I think the reality of what uh, of what is the roadblock for you would just be like. What's going to happen once they say your name and you walk on stage? That's what you have to think up. <laughs> well, that's I mean, the thing. And, and I, I don't want I, people to get ripped off. No, but, but I'm like, saying it's going to be easier. You're, you're, you're talking about this, these other things, which are, which are things that have to be worked out. But those yeah. are all doable. You probably are in touch with enough of an audience that if your goal is to do this van tour and you're making these stops, you're going to be able to get 100 people to show up in, in most places. And, right. and the beauty of what you're talking about is even if 20 people show up, as long as you're holding it in the right place, that's still going to be a quality experience for them and probably something that you right. can get something recorded and then and then you could do your book you know this book that you're already doing of your podcast there could be one that's just about that tour ah right i yeah. think that's a great maybe, and that's and then maybe like a video or some sort of a movie of it well and that and that people know that that's going to be part of look this is what i'm doing this to promote these two things that I am doing, but this is also a project, an art project that's going to have right. give birth to this thing at the end. Right. Yeah. I'm going to highly recommend Amanda Palmer's book, The Art of Asking. You, you know, I was at TED with her. We, oh, really? we spoke at the same TED, had lunch together. I didn't know who she was. I met her in the lunch line. 
I'm standing next to her and she looked at me and smiled and I said, I like your eyebrows. And she said, oh, I like yours. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then it's like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to speak here. And we hung out. I'm Amanda. And she mentioned her husband. Neil Gaiman. Neil. Like, oh, well, Neil said. And she's like, I thought, that's kind of weird. She thinks I know who her husband is. And Do you then, know who he is now? Well, now I know. He's yeah. this writer and he's well known. He's and, written some pretty great books. Yeah, yeah. I haven't read anything by him, but... Uh, it was Ted was funny that way. I met a lot of people who I didn't know who they were, and then later it's like, oh, that was Peter Singer, the mm-hmm. famous philosopher, you know. And, I'm going to give you yeah. one of Neil Gaiman's books right now. It's uh-huh. called American Gods, and you're going to love it. Really? Yes. All right. It's it's great. It's the whole <laughs> premise is that there's all all of the gods of all of the religions are real and they exist, but as people believe in them less, they've got less to do, and so they have to find a place on Earth to just be themselves <laughs> so they've got all these different personalities and is it like a club med where they're all hanging no out? no they live they've just found places where they where they're going to live now and it's it takes place in america it's great oh, it's a, right. it's a i found it to be an interesting book cool i gotta go to okay. the airport so that's happening so there's there's uh, there's our podcast there it we is. just did it it's a, did i feel it. like it's pretty long i think this will easily be the longest one it's pretty long of mine that i've done it's two hours and 27 minutes very respectable. Uh, when are you going to post it? I'm going to... Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to take it off of here, and then I'm going to dropbox it to you, and so soon. All right. Well, let okay. me know, and we'll do it together. All right. Let's do All right. it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. Yeah, you're nice people. <laughs> you're nice people and super patient. Just don't eat your mucus. <laughs> well, do what you want, but not in front of us. <laughs> Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, you did it. We did it. Thank you for listening. Don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. If you listen to this whole thing, you are not a giving up kind of person. And I and I got to give it up for you for not giving up. Here it is. I don't know. Just to, That wasn't how you applaud something. That was more like uh, getting ready to, for a cheerleading practice. But uh, you know what? That's what happens when you don't rehearse these things. How dare me even come on and talk at the end of this? you got stuff to do. I know that. I know that about you. I know you're busy, important people. I get the emails about how busy and important you are. I follow you on, uh, well, not Instagram because I don't follow anyone on Instagram, but i got to get started. So please shoot me an email, jake at jakethis.com. Send me a tweet, at jakethis. Um, follow Dr. Chris Ryan. He's, he's on all those places, and he does all those things. Um, let's, let's be together at the nightclub in the future. It's hug time. Next time I see you, just believe it, believe it. And, uh, I'll talk to you soon. I, I'm not even going to say next week cause who knows? We, we both know that I don't know for sure what's going to happen. Um, but that's life. It's uncertainty, man. You got to roll with it. You got to roll with it. Um, best of luck. Hang on. I know it's hard to be a person. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>